0: Bom dia
1: revealed by the pandemic are likely to be with us for some time, perpetuating imbalances, contributing to inflation, and likely requiring a sustained policy response.
2: I support continued increases in the FOMC's policy rate and based on what I know as of today, I support a significant increase at our next meeting on September 20th and
0: 21st. I shall strive to follow the inspiring example I have been set in upholding constitutional government and to seek the peace, harmony and prosperity of the peoples of these islands and of the commonwealth realms and territories throughout the world. This is Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition with Francine LaCroix.
3: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition. I'm Francine Lacroix here in London, and here's what's coming up on today's program. Rapid advances Ukraine's forces make swift gains in the Kharkiv region as Russian defenses crumble dollar weekends stocks rise the euro surges as a bundesbank voices support for more ecb hikes plus charles iii the new uk monarch is officially proclaimed king as the late queen elizabeth's state funeral is set for september 19th now first of all let's check on the markets we have a lot to get through of course the uk uh, largely in focus it's a very different week certainly in tone but also in economy this is because of the morning of course of uh, queen elizabeth ii we look at, for example, the Bank of England. They postponed their decision. It's no longer this Thursday, but they postponed it by a week. Now, the big story today with European stocks getting some six-tenths of a percent is also euro dollar 1.0179. 1, uh, this is after we heard from the Bundesbank president, uh, Mr. Nagel, saying that he's expecting the ECB to do a lot more. So it does seem that the ECB could actually follow the footsteps of the Fed. The dollar index won, uh, well, 1200 and then S&P futures also gaining six tenths of eight percent three tenths of eight percent rather the European map And this is a huge difference between what we're seeing in Germany and for example here in the UK Again, the UK we look at sterling the DAX actually gaining some 1.3% I think out of the 19 industry groups making up the stock 600 all of them are gaining now ukraine's forces are continuing a rapid advance in the kharkiv region exploiting any an extraordinary collapse of russian defenses that threatens to derail the kremlin's bid to cement control of ukraine's east now for more we're joined by bloomberg's europe correspondent maria tadaos maria update us exactly with the latest development
4: well francine this was a very quick advance over the weekend on saturday of course ukrainian Officials, the Ukrainian army, confirming that they had been able to push back Russian forces from Kharkiv. The Ukrainian president says that more than 2,000 square kilometers have been, quote, liberated from occupied territories since the start of September. And I think what we're seeing right now in real life is that counteroffensive, that counterattack that Ukraine promised for weeks finally taking shape in real life i think the big question though uh, however going forward is what does it mean for the war what will russia do going forward but also particularly how will this change the approach that vladimir putin has had until now remember he still talks about a special operation to liberate the people of the donbass he doesn't use the word That would entail potentially conscription, and that has a lot of ramifications for Russian society. So that is really the focus now uh, going forward.
3: So, Maria, has there been any progress actually from the EU on reducing its dependency on Russian gas?
4: Well, Francine, we do have new data. The head of the European Commission, of course, Ursula von der Leyen, says that at the start of the year, so this is before the war started 40%, excuse me, if imports of gas were coming from the Russian Federation. Now that has gone down to 9%. She says the goal from now until the end of the year is twofold, one, to bring down the revenues. Vladimir Putin is making a lot of money even as he wages war. And then the other one is to stabilize prices for European consumers. There is a very important speech by Ursula von der Leyen on Wednesday. She is expected to unveil executive action on that. And, of course, we'll be paying close attention there because we'll be live from Strasbourg that day on Wednesday.
3: Maria, thanks so much. Maria they there in Brussels for us. Now, to talk about the markets, we're joined by Bloomberg's Christina Kino. From our markets live team christine thank you so much for joining us i know that you know part of the market sentiment is also because of the offensive that ukraine able to push through russia but also europe playing a huge part in today's gains.
5: absolutely francine and i think you know the other side of that of course is dollar weakness and it really has been a story for for the euro of, of two things right it is that dollar move this year and then also Uh, what's happening in mainland Europe and so I think you know today we are seeing a little bit of positioning reduction from last week especially after we've heard from the ECB and several other ECB officials in the aftermath of that and I think the message really is clear that the ECB is open to another potential jumbo rate hike which could finally see the euro kind of getting that benefit of monetary policy and interest rate differentials that it really hasn't seen up until very recently. But is that sustainable? That is a big question, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is difficult to kind of see how sustainable it is when the other side, of course, of the euro story is, again, this uh, energy crisis that is looming over us over the winter time. And, you know, as we talked about earlier today, the euro story is really more of a terms of trade sort of story now. And and a lot of that has to do with the energy crisis rather than kind of interest rate differentials and monetary policy. But I suppose, you know, the question maybe is... um, the you could the year kind of get a little bit of uh, at least a short-term windfall from the fact yeah. that the ECB is now finally catching up, and potentially, uh, if they deliver another jumbo rate hike, then could finally put them close that distance between the fed
3: yeah um christina this is of course going to be a very odd week in the uk we're both in black to pay respects to the queen we have that funeral with the bank holiday on monday how i guess discouraging will that be for for an economy that's already suffered quite a lot
5: yeah absolutely Francine I mean I think it really is just kind of adds to the mood in the country at the moment you know um, with the death of the Queen yeah. it obviously um, puts Paul on, on a lot of um, things and sentiment isn't great uh, even um, uh, before that of course we were dealing still with the cost of living crisis yeah. and um, uh, list trust really coming into quite the challenge here in terms of managing the economy and managing the mood of the nation mm-hmm. and so so it is going to be quite interesting um, seeing just how it's playing out in markets again we've seen that pound story uh, really one of weakness playing out so it, I think moving forward it will depend a lot on the next moves that trust makes here uh, and and how that plays into sentiment
3: um- Overall, what's the next step? I don't know whether we're looking for a catalyst, but we are, you know, September 12th. We'll go into the winter months. Is it all about the energy pricing and and how much of that bad news and higher prices is, is already priced in? Well,
5: I think the initial um, down leg in the pound was very much part of that whole story of, you know, bracing for the winter time, really a tough winter. Uh, the cost of living crisis still kind of making its way through the economy. And so, you know, I think there is a little bit of, uh, given the, that positioning is very heavily skewed towards a weak pound, we could see a little bit of green shoots here um, just as a matter of uh, positioning adjustments along the way and then the different catalysts that we could see along the way as well the Bank of England uh, what they say about a potential um, rate hike there whether they're gonna go gonna go the way of the ECB and the Fed in terms of 75 basis points Mm -hmm. and then of course from trust herself what she's gonna be doing in terms of providing support to the economy and the details of that I mean that was originally pound positive so if you see more details
3: uh, we could be um, in for a bit more of a lift here Christine thank you so much Christina Kino there from our markets live team. Now, we're also getting some breaking news out of Lufthansa saying that the pilots union have actually agreed on an increase in basic pay. Lufthansa says pilot strikes excluded until the end of June 2023. Now, we're seeing a couple of resolutions. Here and there as people also understand that inflation is going up and so maybe it's just a good idea to pay uh, workers more before they quit now coming up we speak to Franklin Templeton investment chief executive officer Jennifer Johnson Jenny Johnson exclusive conversation extended conversation that's after 9 30 a.m. London time and this is Bloomberg Finance politics. This is Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition in Front Lacqua here in London. Now let's get straight to the Bloomberg. First word news. Here's Leanne Garrins. Hi Leanne. Hi, Francine.
6: Sweden's coalition of right-wing parties looks set to secure a narrow victory in the country's general election. The likely result hinged on the rise of the anti-immigrant party, the Sweden Democrats, which saw the biggest gains to become the nation's second largest political force. With 95% of districts now counted, the opposition bloc has 175 seats in the 349-seat parliament, (laughs) And giving them a slender advantage over the ruling Social Democrats and its allies. Now, the Biden administration is reportedly planning to broaden curbs on the export of semiconductors used for artificial intelligence and chip making. Reuters cites unidentified sources, saying the Commerce Department plans to publish new regulations next month. The rules will outline restrictions already communicated to companies, including in NVIDIA and AMD and Japan is reported to be planning to allow foreign visitors to book trips directly and travel freely within the country. According to the broadcaster FNN, officials are also set to scrap daily arrival caps and reinstate visa waivers. For tourists, The rules are expected to apply to travelers who have had three vaccine shots or who can provide a negative COVID test result. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Leanne Gerins. This is Bloomberg
3: Francine. Leanne, thanks so much. Now, Queen Elizabeth's coffin was driven slowly from Balmoral Castle to the Scottish capital, Edinburgh, yesterday, as the country continues a period of mourning. Politics, meanwhile, are on hold as people line the streets, taking part in a historic farewell to the monarch who reigned for 70 years. Now, Joining us to look ahead to the next few days is Lizzie Burden, live from Buckingham Palace. Lizzie, what's the atmosphere like down there?
7: I have to say, Francine, it's less tearful, more sombre, respectful. People are coming here to say thanks to the Queen for all those decades of service. I was here before the sun came up, and people were just taking a quiet moment of reflection at the palace gates. The the King Charles II is going to travel to Edinburgh later today for a service of reflection before tomorrow the coffin is brought back to here, Buckingham Palace. And then from Wednesday until the funeral, which is now confirmed for September the 19th, people will be able to pay their respects as the body lies in state uh, at Westminster Hall. Some of the UK newspapers are expecting three quarters of a million people to file past. It's going to create very long queues, security challenges, uh, and really, if you think about uh, the death of Princess Diana or the Queen Mother, multiply it by 10, because this is a, an outpouring of national grief, the, the scale of which we haven't seen in, in our lifetimes in the U.K. at least. So it does put the business of government on hold. It's not Liz Truss's fault, uh, but it's difficult for her second week of her premiership.
3: So what are we expecting over the next few days, Lizzie? We know that the funeral of course is next Monday and then we'll have a week long of pageantry and processions.
7: Quite exactly. And we're already seeing significant moments in the royal family. Uh, We saw over the weekend uh, the, the Fab Four as they were affectionately known Prince William and Prince Harry and their spouses joining together uh, to speak to members of the public and share in the public grief. Uh, really a a deliberate acknowledgement of the need to do that something that the royal family has been uh, criticized for not doing in the past and so I think you can expect to see more of those uh, uh, moments as Prince Charles and uh, (laughs) King Charles and the Queen consort uh, go around the different regions of the UK uh, uh, meeting people and, and sharing in their grief.
3: Lizzie, uh Liz Truss also sacked a top civil servant in the Treasury in her first days. What's the significance of this? Uh, It's a
7: big, bold move, Francine, Uh, along with the energy bailout, one of the first things that Liz Truss has done in office. Remember, she did say that she wanted to take on the blob of Treasury orthodoxy, and this is a symbol of that. We heard over the weekend from one of the government's former top civil servants that this could undermine the UK at a huge moment Uh, Of change in British history. City says that it could open the door to yet more unconventional policy and really it leaves a vacuum of power at the top of the Treasury when you've got a background of double-digit inflation. But the other thing that that this could lead to is brain drain at a department that has some of the UK's most employable civil servants who are likely to be dangled with the biggest alternative salaries in the private sector so it is a worry
3: Lizzy thanks much Lizzy Burden there outside Buckingham Palace now the former New York Fed President Bill Dudley says Central Bank will not be making the same mistakes it did in 2019 as it reduces asset purchases and shrinks its balance sheet while he spoke to Bloomberg surveillance
8: THE FED HAS THE EXPERIENCE OF LAST TIME uh, TO GO BY. LAST TIME THEY WERE SURPRISED BY THE DEMAND uh, OF BANKS FOR RESERVES. AND SO THEY UNEXPECTEDLY DROVE THE AMOUNT OF RESERVES TOO LOW RELATIVE TO BANKS' DEMAND. THAT'S WHY YOU GOT THE SPIKE IN REPO RATES IN SEPTEMBER 2019. Uh, SO THEY'VE LEARNED FROM EXPERIENCE. Uh, SECOND, uh, THEY PUT IN PLACE A STANDING REPO FACILITY NOW, WHICH IS AVAILABLE JUST SLIGHTLY ABOVE MARKET RATES. So. REPO RATES WERE TO uh, SPIKE UP, BANKS WOULD TURN TO THE FED'S STANDING REPO FACILITIES. SO YOU WOULDN'T mm-hmm. SEE A BIG SPIKE, IT WOULD BE A LITTLE SPIKE THIS TIME. Mm-hmm. LASTLY, I THINK, YOU KNOW, THE FED'S GOING TO BE TAPERING THE RATE OF HOW its BALANCE sheet uh, SHRINKS AS WE GET DEEPER INTO THIS PROCESS. AT FIRST, WE'RE RUNNING OFF 60 BILLION OF TREASURIES, UP TO 60 BILLION OF TREASURIES, AND 35 BILLION OF AGENCY MBS EACH MONTH. <laughs> BUT ONCE THE RESERVES IN THE SYSTEM GET TO A, a, a SIGNIFICANTLY LOWER LEVEL, The Fed's going to slow the rate of asset uh, runoff, and then it's going to stop. It's basically going to stop. It's going to stop before they think we're at that critical point where reserves are too scarce. So they're going to learn from past experience, and I don't think they're going to make the same same mistakes this time.
9: Bill Dudley, have we done this before? Is the New York Fed down in the basement. It's underneath one of the pizza parlors down in lower Manhattan. Have you done an experiment that says this is going to work, or are you flying blind?
8: Well, I think you did the experiment last time uh, following the great financial crisis. The Fed shrunk its balance sheet, uh, and we had that experience in 2019 where they shrank, shrank it a little too much. Right. So they're going to learn from that episode and not do the things that they did last time. Last time, they they never slowed the rate of uh, uh, asset runoff. They never stopped the the asset runoff prior to the the reserves becoming scarce. And I think this time they didn't have a standing repo facility. So I think this time they have sort of a belt and suspenders, and they didn't have either a belt or suspenders last time.
4: So they have belts and suspenders for a problem that will, won't necessarily repeat itself. But where are the belts and suspenders for a dollar getting too strong for the rest of the world to really sustain its momentum?
8: Well, this is a problem always, that the Fed follows monetary policy based on what's best for the United States. And the consequences of the rest of the world are the consequences for the rest of the world. And a strong dollar is one of the consequences of the Fed tightening monetary policy now quite aggressively. The Fed actually wants the dollar to be relatively firm because a stronger dollar restrains economic activity and it reduces inflation because it reduces the cost of uh, imports into the United States. So the Fed is not unhappy with the dollar strength. This is just part and parcel one aspect of how you tighten financial conditions.
3: Coming up, the world's hottest housing markets are facing a painful reset amid soaring borrowing costs. We look at The Big Take next. This is Bloomberg. Finance politics. This is Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition. I'm Francie Lacqua here in London. Now let's turn to the global housing market, and the hottest regions are feeling the pain as they face a reset that's as soaring borrowing costs squeeze home buyers and property owners alike now that's the subject of today's Bloomberg Big Take now for more we're joined by Neil Callanan our London bureau chief Neil I know you're a great student uh, and and for many years actually you've been reporting on properties how how painful is the recent and in which country specifically
10: yeah I think we're going to see the biggest pain in the housing market that we've seen since the global financial crash uh, the Fed, Fed and other central banks' policy of quantitative easing has driven yields for real estate. Lower and driven cheap credit has pushed prices higher. Mm-hmm. Um, with Treasury yields now going up and bond yields generally going up, that means for international investors, real estate is less attractive, but also you've got a cost-of-living crisis and uh, an inflation crisis meets rising interest rates. So any in those countries with variable Mortgage rates, or with short-term fixed-rate mortgages, you're really going to see pain. So that's the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, yeah. China, and Sweden. Sweden will be the canary in the gold mine, a uh, coal mine for um, uh, for Europe.
3: So out of those countries, is the one we should worry about the most because of its over-reliance in terms of GDP. And see, I remember, and I kind of, well, I don't remember because I was too young, but I I keep on going back to the 70s and say at the time that it was also refuge, right, because inflation was going higher. So people would take money out of the markets and put it in real estate.
10: Yeah, and that was a theory as well in the 90s, and it really didn't work out in Canada in particular. In Toronto, people put money into housing as an inflation hedge, as an investment, and it really didn't work. Um, So, again, Canada and Australia in that sense are probably the most vulnerable. China's already going through a bubble as well. And in Sweden, um, you know, they've been borrowing for so long. I mean, 50-year mortgages aren't unusual there that the market can change quite quickly and has. And you're looking at double-digit falls in a number of markets this year, particularly Sweden, Australia new zealand and possibly canada as well
3: so should we really worry i know also i know the current has done quite a lot on china I mean, what does this mean for china do the global markets understand how ugly this could be
10: uh, I, th- I think with china we, you know the big qualifier is always what will the government do and whether the government will bail out the property developers so it's hard to predict but based on current trends and the lack of investments and the fall in profits you are going to see a big big squeeze there there has been already and that's likely to continue one of the things i would be interested in is how much development land values fall there and that's really what can cause a lot of trouble for developers
3: neil thank you so much neil callan in there our london bureau chief and you can read more online or at ni big take on the bloomberg terminal coming up bitcoin rally cools and the dollar retreats We chat markets with Franklin Templeton president and chief executive officer Jenny Johnson. That's coming up next, and this is Bloomberg. Rapid advances. Ukraine's forces make swift gains in the Kharkiv region as Russian defences crumble. Dollar weakens. Stocks rise. the Euro surges as a Bundesbank voices support for more ECB hikes. Plus, Charles III, while well, the new UK monarch, is officially proclaimed king as the late Queen Elizabeth's state funeral is set for September 19th. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition. I'm Francine Lacroix here in London. Now, shares are rallying this morning. The dollar is retreating on strong euro performance. Now, that's as investors now weigh the prospect of more outsized interest rate hikes in Europe. If you look at, for example, the gauge of the dollar falling for a second day as all G10 peers surge, expect or accept actually the yen. Now, to talk broader, not only about the markets, but really some of the strategy at Franklin Templeton, we're delighted to be joined by Jenny Johnson, president and chief executive of Franklin Templeton. Johnson has been chief executive since 2020 and Franklin Templeton has $1.5 trillion in assets under management. Jenny, what a great pleasure to host you actually here in the London studio. So welcome to Surveillance and welcome to Bloomberg Headquarters. Thank you, Kritzi. It's great to be here. The strategy of Franklin Templeton has been really quite remarkable over the last couple of years and this is acquisition. I know there's a number of things that we need to talk about. Alcentra, Lexington, Leg Mason. Um, So pretty bold moves in terms of M&A. What comes next?
1: Well, so we've been pretty clear on, on our approach to acquisitions. It's either filling out product-based, right? So we, we see the industry moving towards alternatives. We wanted to make sure that we not only had traditional asset management capabilities, but also were strong in the alternative space. So you saw our acquisitions there. Um, I, I think the the technologies making it such that you can have much greater customization for clients so we do fintech investments that help us customize uh, we did a company called uh... Um, o'shaughnessy asset management that brought us something called a canvas platform which does direct indexing so it's about customization and then building um, just deeper relationships with clients so providing additional uh, products to to be able to engage with them. So, Jenny, as you bring these into the, to the
3: family hold, what's been the biggest challenge? Is it you know keeping their own identity? Is it you know somehow bring them together with a
1: common purpose? So, I think the key for us has been. In the asset management business, what are you buying? You are buying people and their investment process. So as long as you're willing to leave that independent and provide additional services, we think active management, things like data become more and more important, data analytics. So being able to provide platforms, we have a centralized investment data lake. So any of our investment teams can leverage it. Those types of value add to help the investment teams that we acquire be able to to have additional capabilities. Um, that's, you know, critical. The other thing is, you'll have this ability to create this more customized solutions. So for example, our Middle East fixed income team that, you know, one of the largest Sharia compliant managers, yep. uh, we were, they, were, they were talking to a sovereign wealth fund that wanted private credit, but right. wanted the Sharia overlay. Well, right. they didn't do private credit. So bringing Benefit Street partners, ultimately yeah. Alcentra with their screen of Sharia right. compliance, offers a completely new product. So getting the teams to talk to each other, to think about creative ways that we can customize for clients.
3: So creative ways also go to, to alternatives, right? Is this the, the, the future? And how has that been performing of last five to six months where there's quite a lot of uneasiness in the markets?
1: Well, what we've seen is that, uh, you know, you, you just in the, from 2000 till now, there are half the number of US public company, public equity companies, yep. and there are five times the number of private yep. equity-backed companies. Companies are waiting much longer to go public. 2000 average, they went public after three years. Now it's nine to 10 years. So you can, from an investable universe, you have to be able to enter the private market space. On With respect to credit, you'll hear banks say, look, the capital requirements have been raised. We're going to yep. be very careful about how we deploy capital. We're going to use it for our best clients, which means there are a lot of people left out of the credit market. So private credit's grown dramatically. So I think from an investment standpoint, you have to be able to yes. be in the alternatives do, in private.
3: Does that change with actually these higher inflation? I mean, we're going through a huge uncertainty with cost-living crisis, inflation that, you know, in our markets that could be 8%, 10%. What does it do to the alternative? I
1: think that there's some question. Any, any kind of private equity strategy that was based on leverage right is gonna be challenged but many of them are, are based on growth and companies you know especially as you have technology companies uh... those are not as reliant and it's not as as risky on the um, you know for the from the interest rates rising um, jenny is there anything else that you want to buy right now
3: to actually fold or are you, you know for the moment are you done in terms of m and a so
1: what we've said we we certainly feel like our plates pretty full but you know areas were always opportunistic uh... Uh, you know, if, if to globalize our alternatives platforms, Alcentra was a move of taking a U.S. private credit manager and adding European capabilities. Uh, so if there were some geographies that made sense for us, we'd be interested there or specific fintech type of strategies that we thought were interesting from distribution. Uh, we may be buyers and things like that.
3: Um, Jenny, when you look at your your portfolio, I guess companies, I mean, Western Asset, I know we've talked about it in the past, where it's going through a, a tough time because of its exposure to Russia. Do you stick to your guns with it, or does it have to somehow be
1: repositioned? Yeah. If you look at Western, right, you, you know, in, in the last 20 years, anytime they've underperformed, they significantly outperformed in the next six months. So I think the the key, uh, I, I would say, I, I, you know, I manage investment people. My job is to make sure they have the resources and that they stick to clients, hire them for their expertise. And so Western has a very, very sophisticated uh, investment, long-term track record product. I think they'll be just fine.
3: Okay, we'll talk also about crypto and actually blockchain shortly. Uh, Jenny Johnson there, the president and chief executive, Franklin Templeton, stays with us. Coming up, Bitcoin rally cools ahead of U.S. CPI data and the seminal upgrade of the Ethereum blockchain. So we'll have plenty more on that next. And this is Bloomberg. economics, finance, politics. This is Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition. I'm Francine Lacqua here in London. Now, Bitcoin is gaining today. That's as investors await U.S. inflation data and monitor a seminal upgrade of the Ethereum blockchain, events that could actually stir volatility in the crypto market. So that's the daily moves. But how attractive will this be as an asset class in the future? Still with us is Jenny Johnson, President and Chief Executive of Franklin. Templeton. Um, Jenny, thank you for staying with us. I mean, you are uh, someone that right from the early beginning actually was an early adopter of blockchain, which doesn't necessarily mean Bitcoin, but you see th- this developing in ways that we can't even imagine right now.
1: Agreed. I, I mean, I think, and I always say that, that Bitcoin is the greatest distraction from the greatest disruption that's coming to financial (laughs) services. And that that does not mean I think Bitcoin is worth zero. I think Bitcoin's more like art. If you and I agree this is the price, it is. What is lost in that conversation is all of the fundamental changes that can happen with Web 3.0. So if you think about Web 1.0, that was kind of, think about a reading. Those who are old enough, remember, your internet site was gonna be a billboard. Then you learned you could communicate. That became reading and writing. We could communicate back and forth. Web 3.0 is ownership, right? And so the types of businesses that are coming out, and most of them are really clunky today, Mm -hmm. but they will be significant. And as investors, I think they even impact equity markets. So an example, there's a company that wants to be the fastest streaming service. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching their content, you get paid to watch it because they yep. you're agreeing to let them use your device to cash content to pass off to somebody yep. else so now you've become a client you're you're a user you've become almost like an equity owner because they pay you as the network grows and you become part of the infrastructure they can buy less aws cloud because their clients are all providing it And it's the blockchain technology that enables this kind of thing as we talked about sorry alternatives unlocking uh, alternatives for the retail channel is going to be I think uh, powered a lot by uh, tokenization and blockchain
3: and I was gonna ask actually how how do you unlock that value so if you're a believer that it actually changes I mean I guess you know it's relationship from investor it changes everything everything how do you play it now in
1: 2022 so we actually just yesterday announced um, launching a uh, SMA platform uh, where you can invest in. We, we, we took a traditional fixed income yeah. team, and they have um, several different strategies. Some are passive, where you get just market-weighted top 20 right. coins. Others are equal-weighted, and then others are investments. If you looked at mm-hmm. our digital asset team their write-ups on things like Ethereum are the same types of detailed write-ups that you'd have on any kind of traditional investment and in IBM or anything else uh, and and so I think you want to get some exposure the problem is there's going to be way more losers right now than right. winners and that's the challenge and is there a
3: challenge because it what it will change the narrative of how it's portrayed in the media I mean, is there a danger that actually there are too many losers then you don't have the, the, the positives advance in a timely fashion.
1: I mean, I, I tend to personally like the platforms and things, right. and this is what right. people I don't think completely understand. Is Ethereum is is like the iPhone, when the iPhone first came out, you looked at the iPhone and you said, oh, this is pretty cool. I've got GPS. I got yeah, a flashlight, can, no. right? Now and then, but but what Apple understood is they were unlocking this. Capability that anybody creative could create applications. Ethereum is just a platform for businesses to be built on. Solana is a platform. Cardano. The problem is there's a lot of those platforms, and I think over time maybe we have some consolidation. But today that would probably be where I would play it.
3: Um, I know you also have an innovation center, right, for yes. for finance. Is, is there a first mover advantage? I mean, we've been talking this for, for
1: quite some time. But if you're big in the space now, can you still win it? Oh, for sure. I think you can win it. But I also think, and that's one of the reasons we have our incubator, is we want to stay on the forefront of understanding where disruption's going to be disruptive to us as a, as a business. But there's a company there that started out, actually, a, a couple of women who left you know um, traditional auction houses and wanted to be in the art market, and they've... Uh, shifted to NFTs. And they're doing really interesting things, helping artists leveraging the NFT technology to actually improve their own economics. If you tie an NFT to a traditional piece of art, you know, today an artist makes 30% of the first sale. But if the NFT is tied to it, you can build in the smart contract all future, you know, that you get a piece of all future transactions. That's pretty neat. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty cool. Danny,
3: what are you expecting over the next three to four years as, you know, disruptors to market? So does inflation change everything? Does it change the narrative of active versus passive?
1: You know, I think where active thrives is in volatile times, and inflation is is a volatile time, right? And and unfortunately, a lot of the people managing money today have never been through an inflationary cycle. So, uh, active fixed income, I think it's really really important. There's a lot of different ways you can play rising rates. Um, I think in the you know what we've seen as a big growth market, well, growth tends to do very well with with you know low interest rates because you're looking at the future cash flows um, so I think that this is a time where active can can excel um, and, and of course active has to prove that they can and picking yeah. the right active manager is really important. Is, is there a, a part of or a certain
3: type of investor that will actually just get out of the markets in in, in this
1: volatile times? I always think that's the fear um, that, that You know, an investor gets burned. It's actually a little bit what worries me about the crypto market is that people are playing in that market and they'll ultimately say, well, I I didn't understand it. I can't invest. And the same thing happens. Meme stocks are always one that sort of I get worried about. You know, people think they're doing something and we're all going to jump into it, but they're risking their retirement. So. um, the, the, The. but this, concerns. but this means what right,
3: regulators are too slow to regulate it, and I guess it puts them in a really tricky position of how do you regulate a market, without being seen as as squashing. I don't know if it's innovation, but just misunderstanding what they're dealing with.
1: Well, I think the regulators are afraid of making a mistake. And somebody described to me, they said, we've got flying cars and we're trying to apply traditional street laws, right? And and so knowing what those unintended consequences of a regulation is, I think makes a regulator be pretty fearful. The problem is, I think that there are uh, jurisdictions that are regulating Singapore, uh, some of the, the Middle East countries, and so what you're seeing is these digital asset companies actually setting up there. I think that's a bit of a risk too. Um, if you don't regulate it, you get the wild west and people oh. get burned.
3: Jenny, I mean, you're in charge of a massive company. Um, what's your biggest challenge over the next two to three years?
1: Well, I think, um, I think the, we're a people business. And so making sure that we are delivering for our clients um, and, and retaining our great employees. I think that's always uh, really important. Uh, and, and, and so I, I and focus what on our talent. What, what do they need? Flexibility? Is it
3: bonuses? How has the COVID narrative actually changed?
1: I do think like, the return to work, none of us have quite figured out whether uh, how much flexibility you need and how important it is getting people together. I'm a big believer in presence with a purpose that this mm-hmm. has shifted to leaders, to make sure that leaders, for our employees to commune in, that they make it a valuable time, that people get together and spend time together. Uh, we just now push to have two days a week coming into the office, mm-hmm. uh, but those days where people are coming into the office together so they feel yeah. that there's a real yeah. community, I think that's important, uh, but on the other hand, I don't think we're ever going back to five days a week or even four days a week, I think it's gonna be unlikely.
3: Jenny, thank you so much. Such a great pleasure to host you here in the studio. Thank you so much for coming in. Jenny Johnson there, the president and chief executive of Franklin Templeton. Now let's get straight to your Bloomberg Business Flash. Here's Leanne Gairns. Hi, Leanne. Hi, Francine. France power distributor Strasbourg Electricity
6: oversold large quantities of electricity due to trading errors earlier last week, a mistake that could cost the company 60 million euros. The FT says the French grid operates was forced to send an emergency power alert to neighbouring countries, including the UK and Spain, asking them to be ready to help make up any of those shortfalls. Now, tens of thousands of US railroad workers could be on strike by the end of this week, causing a potential new shock to the country's supply chains. Negotiators met throughout the weekend, trying to reach a deal with two unions covering some 57,000 railway engineers and conductors. The Association of American Railroads predicts a nationwide shutdown could cost up to $2 billion a day. An activist investor, Dan Loeb, has backed away from calling for Walt Disney to spin off ESPN. In a series of tweets, Loeb said he looks forward to seeing the sports network generate considerable synergies as part of Disney. Separately, Disney CEO Bob Chaper says ESPN is critical to his overall vision of the company which does include sports betting and that's your Bloomberg business flash Francine.
3: Leanne thanks so much coming up the UK economy grew less than expected in July we'll focus on the country's economic outlook next this is Bloomberg. Economics, finance, politics, this is Bloomberg Surveillance or the edition. I'm Francine Lacroix here in London. Now, a new era has dawned on the UK this week as the country has a new monarch and a new prime minister. Some things, though, remain the same. Inflation eye-watering with the UK facing soaring energy bills and a wider cost of living crisis. Now, all things for the Bank of England, of course, and its governor, Andrew Bailey, to monitor ahead of the next delayed rate decision. Joining us now is Andrew Sentence, he's Senior Advisor for Cambridge Econometrics and former member of the Bank of England's Rate Setting Committee. Andrew, always great to speak to you. you I mean, you never mince your words when it comes to inflation and, and what the Bank of England should do next. Are you worried about the next six months?
11: Well, it's going to be a difficult six months. The economy is uh, really not growing. Um, it saw a, an increase in GDP in July but that was quite small. I think we'll see ups and downs in the economy Uh, but the big worry is inflation Um, and their inflation watchdog is the Bank of England Um, and they've already pushed up interest rates a bit but I think they're going to have to continue to do that to stop what is uh, partly a temporary rise in inflation becoming more embedded in the economy.
3: Uh, how much do you worry about weak euro and actually some weak uh, pound and some of the things that, you know, Liz Truss is talking about? There's uh, serious questions about how she funds all of her plans.
11: Yes, I mean, the pound has been weak, particularly against the dollar, less, less so against the euro. Yeah. Um, but uh, increases in borrowing, um, continually rising inflation, those are not going to be things that are good for the pound. So it is, it is a factor that needs to uh, be taken into account by the new government in uh, designing their economic policy. but on the other hand, there is a need to do something to ameliorate um, no. rising energy prices. so there's a balance to be struck there by the government and there's a balance to be struck by the Bank of England, but I would expect uh, interest rates to continue to rise to three to four percent. the market's expecting I think four percent. Uh, in the early part of next year.
3: What does that mean for, for mortgages? Is, is this your biggest concern when you look at the UK as a whole? Is it consumer spending, but actually, could we see a mortgage collapse?
11: Well, um, we've seen uh, very cheap mortgages for a long time, and actually, that's fueled house price inflation, which until recently was running at double digit levels. It's oh. come off a little bit. Um, We can't sustain double-digit house price inflation, so if higher mortgage rates bring a bit more realism into the housing market um, and put a dampener on house price increases, that's not necessarily a bad thing and it actually makes it easier for first-time buyers to get on the housing ladder. So interest rates have sort of mixed effects in the housing market, we tend to think of uh, the whole UK economy is one big borrower. Which,
3: of course, is,
11: yeah. Which, which it isn't, because yeah. only about a, a third of people um, are borrowing on mortgages. Yeah. So there's a lot of other people in the housing market. Some are renting and want to get on the housing ladder. Some own their property outright. And therefore, uh, in, in some ways, they benefit from higher interest rates.
3: Where do you see the, the UK economy headed more on a philosophical level in four or five years? So if there's a lot of deregulation that the Prime Minister wants to put in place, if we see you know, tax cuts, um, there's talk about us becoming like Singapore on Thames. Does this make sense for this kind of economy?
11: I do think it's good to look at supply-side reforms. Um, but supply-side reforms have to be you know, well-designed to impact on growth Um, and we haven't really seen any detail we've had had talk about tax cuts boosting growth removing regulations we need to see more detail and there needs to be more consideration of the detail of what what that's really going to mean I don't like the idea of Singapore on Thames because Singapore is a much smaller economy so a, a, a medium to large size economy like the UK needs a different approach I think
3: I mean, it was Mark Carney that said, you know, we rely on the kindness of strangers and others talk and worry about the balance of payment. Should the Prime Minister worry about that more uh, um, instead of, you know, talking about this unorthodox economics?
11: I think the balance of payments is, um, was more a preoccupation in the 60s and 70s. And when you've got a floating exchange rate, um, it's not necessarily a cause for crises. It's an indicator to look at. But just one of many indicators, in, time to, in terms of assessing the health of the economy.
3: Where's your your take on how the UK should deal with the EU and how much, again, how much pressure uh, if we have a, a very belligerent Prime Minister that puts on the Bank of England to, to possibly do even more?
11: Um, I don't know whether the Prime Minister is going to be belligerent, <laughs> um, but uh, I think. In terms of the European Union, we always have to have a close relationship with the EU and we have to take into account our trading relationships with them. So I hope the new government will recognise that, Um, even though we've had Brexit. We need to actually find ways of improving some of our relationships with the EU, for example, through um, getting perhaps a better system for allowing uh, Labour to come into the UK from the EU. So there are various ways we can actually cooperate and work together with the EU and I hope that's what the new government will do.
3: Andrew, thank you so much as always for coming in. Andrew Sentence there, senior advisor for Cambridge Econometrics and former member of the Bank of England's rate setting committee. Now Bloomberg surveillance early edition continues in the next hour. Matt Miller, Priti Gupta in New York and Edwards here in London and this is Bloomberg.
12: There's still a lot of uncertainty
13: we are seeing a lot of volatility
8: in the markets at the moment the fed is not unhappy with the dollar strength i think it's very difficult to be the head of a,
0: of a central bank right now it's
8: very important for them for investors and for
7: the market to see inflation coming down
0: this is bloomberg surveillance early edition with anna edwards matt miller and kaylee lines
14: It's 10 a.m. in London, 5 a.m. in New York and 5 p.m. in Hong Kong. Our top stories today. Dollar dilemma. The greenback tumbles ahead of key inflation data this week, while the euro strengthens on the prospect of more outsized interest rate hikes. Gaining ground. Ukraine's forces continued their rapid advance in the Kharkiv region as Russian defences crumble. And housing pain from Sydney to Stockholm to Seattle buyers are pulling back as central banks raise rates at the fastest pace in decades, sending house prices falling. Welcome to Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition. I'm Anna Edwards in London with Matt Miller and Chrissy Gupta in New York, Kaylee Lines is off today and Chrissy it seems that in terms of market sentiments and appetite for risk assets progress by Ukrainian forces and weakness in the dollar in the driving seats.
13: Yeah and it might be that turnaround story that is actually fueling Asian assets perhaps driving a ripple effect across the world. Let's start with that what's going on in the overnight session though. You did have across the Asia-Pacific region green on the screen Anna but that real outperformance in the Hang Seng Index I really want to zero in on because there's outperformance there's green on the screen but you have to look at where the profits are actually uh, kind of allocated and a lot of this is happening in tech that's a sentiment that you're going to see ripple across the rest of the world. I'll let Matt hit that in a second But you can really see that Hang Seng outperformance up about 2.7 percent in the overnight session compared to the broader MSCI Asia Pacific region which was really only up seven tenths of one percent so you can really see a lot of people piling into that big tech trade there let's hit the currency picture though because Anna you hit it that dollar story is going to be crucially important especially as we talk about what the barriers to entry are into the tech trade especially when it comes to American tech uh, very specifically right now you have a, a little bit of strength in the offshore Raminbi or yuan, want uh, whichever you'd like to call it some weakness in the dollar there that's going to be crucial when we're talking about this race to who has the strongest currency. And right now, the United States and the Chinese Yuan, of course, with that intervention is going to be a key part of that story. The other part of that story is going to be the Japanese uh, yen. You are seeing weakness there once again, even after some perhaps attempts at verbal intervention from the likes of Kuroda, from the likes of the deputy cabinet secretary over there as well, not doing much uh, to help the yen at the moment, Matt.
15: Well, if it's a race, we are still winning by a lot against everyone, but. We are coming down a little bit today. Here you can see the Bloomberg Dollar Index, the only red on my screen right now at 1289. Remember, we were well over 1300 for the last few sessions, so it's a pretty significant drop. But um, (laughs) the others have a long way to go to catch up with us, and I don't see it happening anytime soon. S&P futures right now up about six tenths of one percent at 4111. So some pretty strong gains, even after we finished up uh, above 4000 last week the us 10 year yield coming down a little bit so investors are buying some of that debt but only uh, one and a third basis point, so 32965 and then bitcoin one of the big stories of today although it's odd to think that a 3% gain is a lot for bitcoin but it hasn't been moving much at all lately and certainly not north of the $20,000 level so 22,256 is going to mean a lot of crypto movers on the stock market. Anna, what are you seeing in terms of European stocks?
14: Yeah, we see a lot of appetite for stocks generally, for risk assets. We've got European stocks moving higher than Matt, and perhaps it is those FX moves that we've been discussing. Perhaps also some of the advances we're seeing the Ukrainians make against Russian forces, all of that adding up to a little bit of a rethink this morning, or at least a continuation of Wall Street's Friday session, where we saw strength in stocks over in the United States. So this is the picture in Europe, pretty strongly positive, up by more than 1% on some of the major markets here in Europe. Let's have a look at some of the FX moves here because this is a crucial factor to keep an eye on. This is the euro side of that weakness in the dollar that Matt was just pointing out to strengthen the euro then. We heard from the Bundesbank's Nagel uh, talking about further rate hikes to come. So in case you are under uh, any illusions, we are going to see further interest rate hikes from the ECB. That's the word out of the Bundesbank at least. Uh, 116.94 is where we uh, trade on the pound. So again, risk assets moving higher, strength to the pound uh, despite the fact that we got some growth data for the month of July that was below Low estimates, that recovery from the slump in June that was driven by the moving bank holidays. Uh, all of that not really knocking the pound this morning and 116.93, although it bounces up from uh, recent weakness, of course. Here we've got the Swedish krona. The Swedish krona actually gaining, that's what you're seeing here, against the US dollar uh, and this in the context of politics. But really it is that weaker dollar story that just seems to be dominating everything because there are a lot of uh, questions to now ask about the new government in Sweden, how long it takes to get into position, how it gets formed what policies they have and a lot of uncertainty but the market choosing to look through that uncertainty today sell the dollar by the krona instead and this is the natural gas benchmark over in europe's so down by 6.2 percent we've been tracking it around the 200 euros per megawatt hour mark for a little while and it continues its retreat as we look ahead to wednesday we didn't hear much on friday from energy ministers in europe what will we hear on wednesday from the Commission as they try to put together a plan chrissy for the winter
13: yeah, that's going to be cruise right really once again. I mean, Matt makes fun of me all the time for saying that I'm obsessed with currencies, but Anna, it really is that dollar story to me uh, that is catching Not the eye. Not just for that.
11: <laughs> well,
13: Matt, Matt, Matt <laughs> there's a long list.
15: There's a long list for Matt. Uh we'll we'll, we'll leave it at we'll leave it at we that. We are I'm kidding. I'm kidding by the way. Behind the scenes, we are like best friends. So, I mean, We used to be before this show. We'll see where that goes.
13: Uh, Let's take a look at what's going on in the week ahead. On Tuesday, Twitter is holding a special meeting for stockholders to vote on the proposed acquisition of the company by Elon Musk. We'll get US CPI data on Tuesday. UK CPI data is released on Wednesday. And EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen delivers her annual State of the Union speech on Wednesday as well. And Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Xi Jinping will meet at a summit in Uzbekistan on Thursday and Friday. Certainly something to keep an eye on, Matt.
15: Yeah, absolutely. And I also am watching FX, the Euros surge. Um, It's the most in five months against the greenback after an ECB policymaker said further interest rate hikes would be needed to curb inflation. Meanwhile, the read across many U.S. dollar weakness will be a key input into global assets, global risk assets in the week ahead. Inflation developments in the U.S. and Europe will play a role in the currency and risk outlook, of course, as will millions of other things. Bloomberg's Danny Berger joins us Now for more, Danny.
16: Yeah, right below 1019 for the euro. Some pretty massive moves, as you say, Matt, the biggest in five months. Some traders reporting that they were caught off guards by off guards by this. So perhaps some stop losses coming into the fore accelerating this move. Now, in terms of what's causing this, yes, you have a bit of the technical, but we continue to hear from ECB policymakers ever since that 75 basis point hike last week say that they are continuing on that piece. Over the weekend, we heard from Joachim Nagel, who also emphasized this as well, feeding into the gains in the euro that we have seen. He said that Thursday's step was a clear sign, and if the inflation picture stays the same, further clear steps must follow. So that gets us a market that continues to price in 75 basis points for the next hike. Now, there's some also conversation swirling around that perhaps the uh, advancement of Ukrainian troops in Kharkiv, that that's adding to strengthen the euro. Robin Brooks, the chief economist over at IIF, says that that's a mistake to price that in, just given Putin's resolve in this war. So that's another factor, but it all feeds into a dollar that has started to fall down about 2% from its high On Wednesday, the question we will ask, especially when we get those CPI figures come tomorrow, is is this just a correction from some of the high levels we've seen? Or, Anna, is this a sustainable turnaround in what has been trend of a strong dollar?
14: Yeah, absolutely. Strong dollar has been such a talking point for so long. Is this, then, a sustainable turnaround? Danny, thank you very much. by Danny Berger with the latest on the FX market. Such a big theme. Another big theme, of course, is what we're seeing on the ground in Ukraine. Ukraine forces continued their rapid advance in the Kharkiv region yesterday. The advance represents Ukraine's biggest victory since they pushed Russian troops away from the capital, Kyiv, in March. Maria Tadeo, our European correspondent, joins us now for more. Maria, update us with the latest developments.
4: Well, Anna, it was a quick but very effective operation on Saturday from the Ukrainian army. They have made big headwinds or inroads in the eastern region of Kharkiv. It reminds us, you say, of that failed convoy that tried to take on the Ukrainian capital and then, of course, had to be dissolved. This is nothing short of a logistics nightmare for Russia, which, by the way, concedes, and this is very rare, that it had to pull back men. They say this is a regrouping. It's not a defeat, but nonetheless, the language here is very telling. And then, of course, overall, you have the Ukrainian... Ukrainian president uh, saying that, quote, the liberation of occupied territories will continue. He says that more than 200 square kilometers have been liberated since the start of September. He also says more weapons will get the job done. But the real question now going forward is how will Russia and how will Vladimir Putin respond to what is now a very public but very embarrassing also to episode for the Russian army?
13: Maria, I wonder what that means when it comes to the European energy story. Of course, we know a lot of the dependence has been trying to be removed from Russia, but does that mean that there's a turnaround on the on the horizon here? look i think when you look on the military side of
4: things it is very early to say this is a turning point but it is clear that on the battlefield the momentum this weekend shifted from russia to the ukrainian army the russian army is moving back it's on the retreat and the ukrainian army is advancing whether that can be sustained that is really the key question when it comes to the energy story uh in europe well the commission has released and has put out new data saying at the start of the war the number of imports from the russian federation to the european union was 40% of gas. That number has come down now to 9%. So you could see that decline. And they say this really spells the end of the partnership when it comes to energy between Russia and the European Union. Critics, however, will tell you it should have never happened anyways.
14: Maria, thanks very much. Bloomberg's Maria today with the latest on, uh, well, Ukraine and also what's going on with uh, the European energy story. Back here to the UK, and Queen Elizabeth's coffin was driven slowly from Balmoral Castle to the Scottish capital, Edinburgh, yesterday as the country continues a period of mourning. Politics, meanwhile, is on hold as people line the streets taking part in an historic farewell to the monarch who reigned for 70 years. Joining us to look ahead... To the next few days is Lizzie Burden, live from Buckingham Palace. Lizzie, we now know the date of the funeral. It takes place a week from today. What is the plan over the coming week?
7: Yes, Anna, I'm here at Buckingham Palace, and people have been coming to the gates of the palace since before the sun came up, just to pay their respects. They're not generally tearful. They're here to just say thank you to the Queen for all her decades of service. So, later today, the King Charles is going to go to Edinburgh for a service of reflection, Then tomorrow, the coffin will come back here to Buckingham Palace. And then from Wednesday until the date of the funeral, uh, the Queen will lie in state at Westminster Hall so that people, members of the public, can file past. And UK newspapers are reporting, estimating, that three-quarters of a million people will do so. It could be hours-long queues, think Lady Di, think uh, the Queen Mother uh, and times it by 10, because this is really a moment of national outpouring of grief. It has meant that the business of government is paralysed. The Bank of England has uh, postponed its meeting next week. And we also have to think about the economic consequence. Uh, not just of having a bank holiday for the funeral, but the weight on the national mood. You've got Deutsche Bank and Nomura now saying that this could push the U.K. into a technical recession.
15: All right, Lizzie, thanks very much. Lizzie Burden there, uh, telling us all we need to know about the U.K. this morning amidst many changes. Now. In speeches and rallies across this country over the last two weeks, President Biden and Donald Trump have slugged it out as if they're contesting the White House already and not campaigning for congressional elections. Trump has even shadowed Biden's appearances, rallying four days after the president in Pennsylvania last week and in Ohio Uh, next weekend that'll happen. Anne-Marie Horder, and Bloomberg Washington correspondent joins us from D.C. for more. Anne-Marie.
17: Yeah, Matt, as you're saying, what you really are seeing now, especially less than two months away from those midterm elections, is that the president of the United States, as well as the former president, Donald Trump, are both out on the campaign trails. What you have from the president of the United States is he is going to make this election about the fact that you should be voting for Democrats, because as you heard him say a number of times, they cannot have the quote in his words, ultra MAGA, getting these, um, getting these posts. Today, specifically, he's going to point out what his administration has done over the course of the year and a half. Most notably today is going to be about that hard infrastructure agreement they passed last summer, last year. That was with the help of Republican votes as well. And this is going to be talking about the uh, revamping of Boston's Logan Airport. He's then going to talk about Uh, cancer moonshot later today, really revoking uh, JFK and trying to garner public support to ending cancer as we know it. And then tonight, talking to uh, those individuals at a DNC event. And then tomorrow morning, a big push of this administration and really, I would almost say the kickoff for the Democrats in terms of campaigning for the midterm elections, is the president is going to host this celebratory event about the Inflation Reduction Act. And all this comes at the times that the Republicans are trying to figure out what their messaging is really going to be in these final weeks out of the midterm elections. It was supposed to be inflation, but now you are seeing pockets of the country, whether it was Kansas or whether it was that swing district in New York, that abortion is actually really a live issue in these midterm elections.
13: Bloomberg's Marie Hordern reporting from Washington. We thank you as always. I'd like to take a quick moment and issue a surveillance correction here. I mentioned earlier in our Asia pre-market check that Asia did actually move overnight. It did, but certain parts of the region did not. China, South Korea, and Hong Kong closed for the mid-autumn festival holidays. So that outperformance I mentioned in the Hang Seng Index, uh, that was actually Friday's move. But the concept still holds. Risk sentiment uh, is indeed coming over from Asia and spilling over throughout the rest of the day. Let's see if it holds on. On the macro basis, on the micro basis, I like to look at some of the stocks moving in pre market trading, specifically Adobe here, cut to neutral over at Mizuho Securities, a price target of $440. It's trading at about $391 right now. So still a little bit of upside. From the Mizzou perspective, remember, they are also reporting earnings on Thursday. The shares are down about nine tenths of one percent. Once again, that is one part of the tech space where you're not seeing that outperformance. But speaking of tech, I want to go to another part of it. NVIDIA moving on reports that the Biden administration is planning to broaden curbs on u.s shipments of semiconductors for artificial intelligence and chip making tools to china here's why that's important moving the shares up about nine tenths of one percent not only anna is nvidia a heavyweight in the s p 500 it also creates a little bit more demand for american chips from around the world and that's going to be a key story as we talk about easing of some of those supply chains and the last one i want to hit is riot blockchain here of course really magnifying the moves you are seeing in in, uh, bitcoin at the moment riot is your ticker up about five percent in the pre-market anna
14: Chrissy, thanks for that. Let's talk about what's coming up on this program. Shortly, we'll be talking to Gary Schilling, president of A. Gary Schilling & Co., and a Bloomberg Opinion columnist. We'll get his take on where we are on these markets, uh, maybe also the, uh, the strength of the dollar. Where does the strength of the dollar go? Where has it gone? And the world's hottest housing markets are facing a painful reset. Read more of today's Big Take story. Bloomberg.com is the place to go or by typing NI Big Take into your terminal. We will also have coverage of this story a little bit later on this hour. This is Bloomberg.
0: Street prepares for the latest read on inflation.
8: Things are moving. The news flow is extraordinary.
0: Will headline
11: inflation continue to ease? The totality of the data has been better than expected. Very positive movement on inflation.
0: Instant reaction on Bloomberg Surveillance.
4: is a new era and it is one of the most pressing concerns facing us.
0: And what it means for the Fed.
8: This inflation fever is breaking and economies keep softening. They are on track
9: perhaps
0: for that soft landing in focus tomorrow on bloomberg
15: Welcome back to Bloomberg Surveillance early edition we are simulcast on both Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television we're focused in very much on the dollar this morning markets seem to be watching what's going on especially uh with concern to the euro but i've got a, a look at the bloomberg dollar index it's been on an incredible climb over the last few weeks and Um, Last week, we eclipsed 13.10 at an all-time high for um, this dollar index, but we've come back down to 12.90. And the question is, uh, is this just a blip in an ongoing bull market for the greenback, or is it an actual turnaround? Joining us now with his take is Ven Rahm, Bloomberg Markets Live Currency and Rate Strategist. So, Ven, what do you think about the Bloomberg Dollar Index and the strength of the greenback in general?
18: morning, Matt. I, as you said, I think this is a correction in the long-term secular bull run for the dollar. We are nearing, it, we are nearing a peak for the dollar, uh, but that doesn't mean that we are there yet. There is still some traction for the dollar. Why do I say that? Because real yields, if you look at real rates in the U.S., they are in the ascendant. And as long as they are in the ascendant, the dollar will find plenty of support, notwithstanding what's going on in the markets today. But we are definitely nearing a top. So maybe 110, 110 to 112 on the
14: DXY index. Mm. And Ben, that seemed to be something that during Friday's session, well, the weakness in the dollar at the moment, during Friday's session and today, seemed to be propelling stocks. You doubt whether that continues, though?
18: Absolutely, Anna. I don't think... I think stocks are trying to get ahead of the game here. People are trying to bottom fish and thinking... Okay, have we seen the worst? Uh, is the Fed coming to a stop uh, on its rate-hiking rate cycle? And therefore, should rate stocks rally? Now, if you look at any meaningful dividend estimate for the S&P 500 for next year, it's around $60 on the index basket. Now, even assuming a generous, very generous top-up and uh, assuming that it will be $75, not $60, and that's a huge bump-up, even then you get a fair value estimate of 3,125 on the S&P. So where are we getting 4,000 from? I mean the market is smoking something that it shouldn't be smoking and I don't (laughs) think we are going to get uh, these levels are sustainable.
14: Okay. We'll launch an inquiry. Ven, thanks very much. Ven Rahm of Bloomberg Markets Live. Thanks for your thoughts on the markets. For more market analysis, check out MLIV Go on your Bloomberg Terminal. This is Bloomberg.
15: Keeping you up to date with news from around the world, here's the first word. Chinese President Xi Jinping will make state visits to Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan this week, his first trip abroad since the start of the pandemic. Beijing says she will attend leaders' summits and uh, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. And Russia said uh, last week that she will meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin at the summit as Moscow seeks to bolster ties with Beijing. Sweden's coalition of right-wing parties looks to set... uh, looks set to secure, I should say, a narrow victory in the country's general election, the likely result uh, hinged on the rise of the anti-immigrant party, the Sweden Democrats, which saw the biggest gains to become the nation's second largest political force. With 95% of districts now counted, the opposition bloc has 175 seats in the 349-seat parliament. This is Bloomberg.
14: This is Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition. Here's what you need to know. Dollar dilemma. The greenback tumbles ahead of key inflation data due this week, while the euro strengthens on the prospect of more outsized interest rate hikes. Gaining ground. Ukraine's forces continued their rapid advance in the Kharkiv region as Russian defenses crumble. And housing pain. From Sydney to Stockholm to Seattle, buyers are pulling back. As central banks raise rates at the fastest pace in decades, sending house prices falling. I'm Anna Edwards in London with Matt Miller and Chrissy Gupta in New York. Kaylee Lines is off today. And Matt, sentiment across European equity markets, list, uh, lifting stocks to session highs. How do we look pre-market in the U.S.?
15: Yeah, it's the same here. And I believe it's a lot to do with weakness in the dollar. Right now, we've seen a little bit of a retreat in the Bloomberg dollar index. And as a result, we have futures that are up about six tenths of 1% after finishing uh, well above 4,000 in the cash trade on Friday. We had a positive week last week, and uh, it looks like we're going to head even higher today if this holds. Right now, there are some investors buying uh, the 10-year right now, pushing the yield down about 1.5%. So so 329.45 is a level there. Call it 330 on the 10-year. Still relative high, but it it leaves the question, had we peaked at 350, um, or could we head back there? We'll ask Gary Schilling that question in uh, just a few minutes. Here's the Bloomberg dollar index right now down at 1291. We were up over 1310 last week, so it was a record high, on at least according to that measure, and we've seen dollar strength. Uh, where whatever measure you look at, so uh, there's another big question: Do we see now a turnaround in the strength of the dollar, Are other bullish, or sorry, other hawkish central banks like the ECB going to gain some for their currencies and push down on um, the global reserve currency, or uh, is this just a blip? Bitcoin right now up about. Uh, two and, uh, 2.4%. This makes a lot of sense, obviously. As the dollar comes down, and Bitcoin is usually priced in dollars, it's going to gain, uh, but you're going to see that driving a lot of crypto stocks as well today, as Kriti was showing us. So 22,157 right now, the level for Bitcoin, uh, and we're going to continue to watch that. Kriti, what do you see in pre-market movers?
13: Yeah, well, let's start with the crypto story because that, of course, is going to be a big one. I'm going to start with Riot Blockchain here. I'm going to move uh, from the bottom up for our TV audience, for our radio audience, up about 4.4% in Riot Blockchain, really following those crypto moves that Matt was just talk- talking about. You also have NVIDIA right now moving on reports that the Biden administration was planning to broaden curbs on U.S. shipments of semiconductors for AI and chip-making tools to China. We know that's a move that they've already uh, done as well, but once again, broadening those curbs would create 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 this international demand for U.S. chips. And ending that story, uh, I should say NVIDIA shares are up nine-tenths on that prospect. Ending it, though, uh, with the market check, Adobe cut to neutral over at Mizuho Securities, a price target of $440. What's interesting, though, is they're still uh, forecasting quite a bit of upside, because you do have those shares down nine-tenths of a one percent today, but trading at about 391 at the moment. So, Anna, uh, a lot to digest there, especially ahead of their earnings coming up on Thursday.
14: Yeah, absolutely. Back here in Europe, then, Chrissy. European stocks making moves higher, as Matt was just mentioning, near uh, session highs for European stocks. So uh, some gains here to do with the weakness in the dollar, to do with the advances perhaps that we're seeing Ukraine make against Russia. The euro benefits from hawkish commentary, as Matt said, from ECB officials. This specifically from uh, Nagel at the the ECB, so he of the Bundesbank, one spot 0.168, so back above the one mark on euro dollar up by one and a quarter percent. That's quite a sizable move for these two massive powerhouse currencies. Uh, we have the dollar here in retreat against the Swedish kroner. So the Swedish kroner gaining with all of the risk appetite that we're seeing rather than focusing on the domestic policy because domestically, we've seen an election take place, a new government, it seems, will have to be formed, a, a more right-wing government that we've seen of late, but the market putting aside questions around policy and and government formation and focusing instead on the risk on mood. Natural gas prices retreat down by 5.6%, another reason for the risk on mood here in Europe, down, uh, retreating from that 200 euros per megawatt hour mark that we've been at for a little while. We'll look to Wednesday to get an update from the European Commission on what they plan to do on the energy policy front. Now, let's focus in on what's going on here in the UK. Still in a period of mourning, of course, and happening right now. King Charles III is listening to condolences at Westminster Hall. This comes as the UK continues a period of mourning. During this period, the business of government is paralysed. Even the Bank of England has delayed its September decision. That gives it time to account for the slew of eco-data out this week let's get back to buckingham palace uh, where we're joined by bloomberg's lizzie burden Uh, lizzie business is carrying on not as usual but it is carrying on we will have a public holiday on the day of the funeral but other things are happening but some areas for example government pausing to pay condolence of course to the new king over the loss of his mother so how is the the somber national mood affecting the economy
7: Indeed, Anna, we had the latest GDP figures out this morning and they showed a 0.2% increase in economic growth in July, but really it was just a technical upswing from the 0.6% decline that we'd seen in June because of the bank holiday to honour the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. So a sad reminder uh, that only a few months ago we were celebrating 70 years of the Queen on the throne. And it's a warning uh, that when the queen has her funeral uh, and we're having a national bank holiday, together with the generally somber national mood, as you say, it could weigh on economic demand. So Nomura and Deutsche Bank have warned that that will tilt us into a technical recession here, although Bloomberg Economics, our in-house economists, say that that recession won't last too long because of the stimulus from Liz Truss's energy bailout. Uh, But, of course, the worry with that is, while it might temper short-term inflation, the risk is that it overheats the economy, and it means that interest rates from the Bank of England have to stay higher for longer.
15: All right, very interesting stuff. Lizzie Burden there on uh Royal Economy Watch for us. Thanks very much. I'm sure we'll be checking in um, throughout the week up at least until the funeral on the British royal family. Now, let's return to the US and to markets. Gary Schilling joins us right now, president of A Gary Schilling and Company. He's a Bloomberg opinion columnist and before Mike Wilson and Savita Subramanian, uh, Gary Schilling, David Rosenberg, Nouriel Roubini, and David Tice were the big bears. Are they back? Gary, um, uh, I, of course, I count you as one of the four big bears of the <laughs> great oh, financial crisis. Do we, do we see um, significant drops? from here on out in the market? I mean, we did rise back above 4,000. It looks like the mood has uh, lightened up a little bit. Recession fears are calmer. How do you see the economy and the markets going forward?
9: Well, the the, the path to recessions, like the path to true loves, is never smooth. But I think we've got a long way to go. And one of the interesting things, Matt, is that we haven't reached what I delicately call the puke point, the point at which Investors want to regurgitate their last stock and never own another one. You haven't seen that capitulation And and with a recession likely to stretch into next year uh, It seems to me that there's a lot of downside. Yeah, you've knocked some of the fluff off the market But earnings weakness is really yet to come
15: how much downside in terms of let's say the S&P And what kind of earnings do you expect?
9: Well, I I think that we'll see from the peak, we saw in early January, a total of forty percent decline Now that would be about a thirty percent from here because you have, we were down twenty then you rallied of course these numbers you know the up and down they 're not always exactly the same but i, I think I think we 've got a lot further to go on the downside and and the earnings uh, I, I think earnings are going to be are going to be very disappointing because Mm. Uh, and, and particularly when you look at them in real terms that's what a lot of people are just not doing and that was a big lesson of the of the late 60s and 70s it was it was a real economy that counted and the real economy is really very weak you have this okay. overlay of inflation yep uh, Anna?
14: Gary Gary good morning it 's Anna in London um, and so talking about the earnings story deteriorating, we have faced up until the last couple of days a really strong dollar, and some companies were mentioning that last earnings season. Is that going to be something that you 're watching out for the damage caused by the strong dollar
9: yeah i i, I think I think so. I think we 've got uh, a lot of earnings weakness, and you know again, one of the one of the issues is the dollar. The dollar's strength means that the earnings of uh, U.S. U.S. companies, uh, their multinational earnings, are worth a lot less. Uh, so that's that's another factor. And you've got about you know about half the S and P earnings are are uh, exposed to the rest of the world.
14: Mm. And what do you make of plans to cap all kinds of energy prices, Gary, whether we're talking about oil, the G7, or gas here in Europe? Lots of uh, talk about capping prices. With, with your uh, years of experience, what do you make of those kinds of conversations? What, what would that typically do to assets?
9: Well, um, I, I think, the, I think you know, the energy situation is very much uh, in the hands of, of, of uh, OPEC+. Plus. And you don't know what's going to happen there, and with Europe, your Ukraine, your Ukraine war, and so on and so forth. But, but it looks like Russia is very definitely using energy as a political weapon, and and uh, they're they're trying to squeeze Europe. I mean, obviously, this is a it's it's a new form of cold war, uh, and it's a proxy war too. It's got all these elements that we've seen in the entire. Uh, period from uh, since World War II, fighting in, um, in proxy proxy wars and doing it with uh, with, with other people.
13: Well Gary speaking of the Cold War specifically, uh, I'm a little bit of a history nerd so bear with me. Back in 1962, we saw a very similar dynamic where you had a lot of gains in uh, the S&P 500 at the time driven by those growth stocks only for it to be followed by 9 months of declines. The pivot point though was uh, the end of the Cuban Missile Crisis and I'm wondering if that is a history lesson that can be applied to today. Over the weekend we heard about uh, Ukraine taking back some more of of, or reclaiming some more of the territory that the Russians had taken over. Is the end of that conflict perhaps the pivot point for stocks globally?
9: Well, if if it if it ended it certainly would would uh, be a big sign of relief but bear in mind that during the mission uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis we didn't have a weak economy, we didn't have a recession, we didn't have a Fed that was bound to kill inflation and in the process uh, create a recession. And they virtually virtually told us that. So I think that, yes, there is a relief if you don't have uh, as much in the way of shooting wars and and possible escalation. Well, I think it's a very different environment.
13: Gary, a final quick one for you: your price target and what time we'll get there by?
9: <laughs> well, again, I, 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 you're talking about the S&P. I am, yes. Yeah, again, I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I think we'll see from the from the peak, which I think was January 3rd, we see a total of 40% decline, and that's that's not unusual for recession. So I think this is, you know, there's, there's nothing here like the, like, the, uh, like the big problem with subprime mortgages to really, really kill things. Uh, but you certainly have imbalances. Uh, housing is, is, is one of them. All the speculation uh, that's created by the money uh, coming from the Fed, from the, uh, from the uh, federal government in terms of fiscal policy. Uh, we had the rounds, the anti, anti uh, virus uh, payments. Um, I think there's a lot of there was. There's been a lot of speculation out there, and that's what really needs to get wiped out.
14: Okay, and we'll talk about housing later this hour. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Gary Schilling of Bloomberg Opinion and, of course, of A. Gary Schilling & Co. Coming up on the programme, Bitcoin gaining today as investors await US inflation data and Ethereum's upgrade. That conversation next. This is Bloomberg.
15: is Bloomberg Surveillance Early Edition. I'm Matt Miller with Kriti Gupta in New York and Anna Edwards in London. Kaylee Lines is off today. Now, Bitcoin is gaining as investors await U.S. inflation data and monitor a uh, seminal upgrade of the Ethereum blockchain, although that looks to have little to do with Bitcoin and should have more to do with Ethereum. I think the weaker dollar has a heck of a lot to do with the rise in Bitcoin, uh, the Bitcoin price as well, since those two seem um, to work at odds. Emily Nicole, Bloomberg Crypto Reporter, joins us now for more. Let me start with the, uh, the merge, as it's called. It's, it's this switch from proof of work to proof of stake. And um, I guess I thought it would drive the proof of the price of Ether up but uh it doesn't seem to be happening is it really affecting bitcoin
19: i think it's definitely having an all around effect on crypto markets i mean it's such a major change especially for the second largest token uh, in the crypto market itself and so therefore you know any slight thing that could go wrong with that upgrade any delays that could happen that will knock sentiment across the board and so Yes, Matt, you're right. You know, Bitcoin is quite tied to the S&P 500, for example, and, you know, the strength of the dollar. Um, It is also going to get that kind of wind from other things happening in crypto as well. It's still a cryptocurrency after all.
14: Okay, so how do you work out what's driving crypto at this point then, Emily? If you've got the merge going on, you've also got the dollar moves and you've got other uh, momentum in risk assets, ongoing hawkishness from the Fed, what's in the driving seat?
19: If we listen to analysts and we often do at Bloomberg, obviously, um, they are mainly pointing to the merge as one of the biggest drivers at the minute. But there's also, you know, the ongoing macroeconomic environment. So as you noted, if we have the CPI data coming this week, that's definitely hurting Bitcoin more than it might do. Usually Um, it had a really big rally at the end of last week, but today it's kind of cooled off a little bit. Still in the green, but it's definitely not the 10 percent spike we saw on Friday. Um, And if you look elsewhere, if we think about how the merge plays into all of this, even Ether, for example, you know, Bitcoin's up today, but Ether is largely flat. And that's because a lot of people are waiting to see what will happen with the merge. The key date to watch is September 15th. That's on Thursday. Um, That's kind of been pointed to as a time when the merge might start uh, seeming a little bit more cemented and confirmed. Um, And so because of that, Ether spot buying relative to Bitcoin has been relatively low in the last few weeks.
13: Well, you walked us through the details of the merge. Walk us through the details of anything else you might be watching within the Ether space.
19: Yeah, so as I mentioned, we're definitely watching how Ether is performing in spot markets compared to in the futures market. So, for example, if we look at data that we see from Kaiko, which is a blockchain analytics firm, um, they pointed to the fact that relative to Bitcoin, Weekly spot buying for Ether was at its lowest point in over a year last week, um, whereas you know interest in, in open futures that has all been spiking a lot um, in in the last few months, and that's because people are waiting and seeing; they're wanting to know what might happen to Ether in the last few weeks. We've also got the issue of you know people have been locking their Ether up in staked positions, waiting for this merge to complete. And as that those positions start to unwind when the upgrade process goes through, that'll cause some changes as well. Emily, thanks very much.
14: Bloomberg's Emily Nicole with what's going on in the crypto space. And be sure to watch Bloomberg Crypto. That uh, is every Tuesday tomorrow then at 1 pm New York time with Matt Miller and Kaylee Lines. This is Bloomberg.
11: can't sustain double-digit house price inflation so if higher mortgage rates bring a bit more realism into the housing market um, and put a dampener on house price increases that's not necessarily a bad thing and it actually makes it easier for first-time buyers to get on the house housing ladder
14: that's Andrew Sentence, of course, senior advisor for Cambridge Econometrics and former Bank of England policymaker speaking about the UK housing market. Let's broaden that conversation from the UK to the global housing market. The world's hottest housing markets are facing a painful reset with frothy property markets poised for double digit price declines. That's a soaring borrowing cost, squeeze home buyers and property owners alike. For more on our latest Big Take story, we're joined by Neil Callanan, our London bureau. Chief Neil we heard uh, there Andrew sentence talking about the UK dynamic of this but this is a global story that you've been writing at about driven by higher global rates
10: absolutely so a lot of the property markets that boomed during uh, the pandemic uh, as central bank's cut interest rates are now facing the consequences of that as where interest rates rise due to higher inflation Those probably property markets, which range from Australia to New Zealand to China to the U.K. to Canada, are all starting to see downturns. The U.K. market is a bit different at the moment, double-digit inflation in terms of house prices. But what you're seeing at the moment is the market actually four months ago or five months ago because those transactions are only coming true now. The situation on the ground is much slower than the headline figures would suggest.
15: Now, you mentioned a number of countries, but you leave out the world's biggest economy, Neil. Is the fact that the U.S., that U.S. homebuyers mostly use fixed-rate 30-year mortgages going to uh, kind of save the U.S. housing market, at least relative to what we're seeing elsewhere?
10: Yeah, I'd be cautious about the soft landing theory, which uh, everybody tends to say at this stage in the cycle. um, There are very, very few soft landings that happen in the real estate market. But on the other side, you don't see the same level of overbuilding that perhaps you did see before the financial crisis. So the U.S. will probably begin to see an impact in the housing market, particularly the new homes market in the next six months but maybe won't see the kind of level of price falls that you will see in some of the other markets where their economies were already booming and lower interest rates fueled the property bubble that maybe the U.S. didn't see because the economy was growing at a rate and house prices didn't grow at the same rates as elsewhere.
13: Neil, very quickly, we're talking about historical precedence here. The buildup in the housing market you saw in '05 and '06. any lessons we can learn to this time around?
10: Yeah, I think uh, governments will get involved earlier. That will be one of the main things if the housing market um, does pop. Um, One of the things to remember, though, is the level of increases means that actually even with a 20% fall in most housing markets, you're only back to prices three years ago. I think the nearest analogy is probably at the moment to the 1990s where inflation rose very, very quickly and property prices went down. And I think you're going to see probably a longer slower recovery from the housing market this time than there was after the financial crisis.
15: All right, Neil, thanks so much for joining us. Bloomberg's Neil Callanan there, London Bureau Chief, talking to us about today's big take. You can see that story by typing NI big take on your terminal, or you can see it, of course, on the web at Bloomberg.com. Now, let's get to what else we're watching. Um, You may have seen... Danny Berger kind of photo bombing Neil um, there in the shot. I was listening to her radio show with Stephen Carroll today, or rather Stephen Carroll's radio with Danny Berger, and Leonid Brzezinski was talking about the advance that Ukraine has you seen against Russia. In fact, they've taken back Kharkiv, and Brzezinski told us that... Um, he thinks they've taken about 3,000 square miles back from the Russian troops. Sounds like a huge advance. Now, there are another 125,000 square miles there, or I believe it's actually measured in kilometers. Um, So they have a long way to go, but it does look like there's been um, a a real progress, real advance in Ukraine uh, by the Ukrainian troops, and maybe they could win this war. So I'm I'm keeping a close eye on that. Well, let's talk about the ripple effects of that. It has to be, of course,
13: when it comes to the global food outlook, and that's really what I'm watching. You have a WASDI crop report coming out at noon New York time today. This is going to be crucial in terms of just how prepared is the global economy and the United States, by the way, for a prolonged conflict, if indeed there is one, especially as we have Ukraine and Russia making up over a quarter of the world's grain supply. Once again, how much room do we really have in storage, Anna?
14: Yeah, Russia talking about the need to amend that agreement on grain. Uh, Just those lines coming in the last half hour or so. I'm here in London, of course, and the national conversation still dominated by uh, the mourning of Queen Elizabeth II. The final procession of Queen Elizabeth II continues uh, today. Uh, The king will fly to Edinburgh a little bit later on today. The queen's coffin goes from Holyrood House Palace to St. Giles Cathedral later on in the week, coming to London. More surveillance is ahead. This is Bloomberg.
0: Audio
6: jump. Investing in residential real estate is a reliable way to build long term wealth, but being a landlord isn't easy. Mind uses tech to take the hassle out of managing your rental properties. We handle everything from finding a tenant, to collecting rent, to making repairs. And you can track your cash flow and earnings on the go with the Mind app. To learn more and get a free rental analysis, visit mind.co, that's M-Y-N-D dot C-O, today.
0: Mmm, fiddleheads. Yum. Hey
12: everyone, I'm Braden Cruz, your host with Sooner Marketing Solutions, where my job is to figure out ways to get you attention.
20: Abel Rodriguez with ARC Outdoorsman, where we are creating and maintaining your outdoor living.
21: Chance Jones with Threaded Industries, where we are a clothing brand built upon giving back. Stone Shoe, Stone Coat, Downflow, Seamless Guttering, Got Flow.
12: Right, welcome to the Bruising Business podcast. You can step into the shoes of everyday small business owners and entrepreneurs as you'll hear the stories and experiences to help you grow your business. We're drinking today the iced caramel cloud macchiato made by yours truly. I'm your host, Braden Cruz with Sooner Marketing Solutions, recording live at the Blue Studio. I want you to meet your co host here as always. I got Abel Rodriguez. I can't ever say your last name correctly. Rodriguez. Nope, still can't do it.
18: Rodriguez. Come oh, on, man. Rodriguez.
12: I need the R in there. Yeah. Okay. Welcome. I'll hey. You eventually. How's it going? How are you?
21: Pretty good. Pretty good. Good, good uh, Friday.
12: Good. Yeah, it is Friday. And I got hey. Stone Shoe with Stone Code Downflow. What's up, my guy? Downflow.
21: What's up, man? There How you we doing? Go. Say that into I'm, the microphone. I'm good. I'm great. <laughs> it's a good day. Friday.
12: Uh, we're missing chance, but uh, he's working on a big car show tomorrow. He'll be in Arkansas, so he's prepare, uh, preparing his uh, Audi A7. And uh, man, that thing is a beast. I don't know if you guys haven't seen it yet, but that thing is uh, is a monster. I love it. So today's uh, podcast, we're going to be talking about um, the hustle culture and kind of two different aspects. I think it'd be good to talk about one, the hustle side that we all have as Owners and entrepreneurs. And then two, uh, the hustle culture, quote unquote. If you Google search it and you do a little research, it's all about like, you know, employees that overwork themselves and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, you need to overdo this. And so I think we kind of we can talk about it from two different areas. And Abel, if you've got some notes here in front of you that we can share back and forth, but um man, I don't know about you guys, but I've been hustling since I was four.
20: I want to hear the story behind that. Why why since you were four? What were you hustling? Yeah.
12: <clears throat> so let's see here. Four or five. I had um, sold lemonade and donuts and pizza slices, hot chocolate, anything and everything, um, hot dogs and hamburgers. We used to have a neighborhood garage sale growing up, and this would be huge. Like the whole neighborhood would shut down. There would have to be like, people would park in other neighborhoods and walk like half a mile. And
21: for you, there'd be, huh? For you? No, oh.
12: no, but I got stories behind that too, which is pretty cool. But, uh, so there's a, a really huge event. So growing up between like four and 12 years old, like literally young, <laughs> almost every other year. Um, when I was real little starting out, I would help out my family with the garage sale part. And, what I started to do when I think I was closer to six or seven was, I was like, mom, I want to make some money. And she's like, well, why don't we sell lemonade at the garage sale? Every September is right about this time. And she helped me do that. And then next year I would do like donuts. I'd wake up at like four o'clock in the morning, go to Krispy Kreme, buy like six or 12 dozen boxes of donuts, a whole bunch. Uh, go to Quick Trip and get one of those thermoses full of like hot chocolate or coffees and sell those in the morning. And then there was some years to where I would do that. And then for lunch, I'd sell pizza. I'd order like 12 boxes of pizza and sell pizza by the slice. And some years I would take chalk and I would go from like the entrances of the neighborhoods and I would put on the sidewalk, I'd say, you know, hot chocolate, 50 cents, and put an arrow and I would do that all the way to my house. <laughs>
20: That's pretty smart. That's pretty smart.
12: <laughs> and, uh, uh, I think one year I did like little flyer signs. I'd post them up on the light poles and stuff like that. So, um, I wanted, uh, there's this one story too, where I wanted a bird. I don't remember what, a, what kind of bird it was, but I went and bought, uh, candy bars from like warehouse market And then sold them for like a dollar and just like knocked on doors and been like, hey, I want a bird. I'm selling candy bars for a (laughs) dollar. And so I know some people buy like a candy bar and give me five bucks. I wound up saving up like 60, $75, bought my bird, got everything I needed. Um, There's little things too that I would do, like go and water plants for my neighbor while she was out of town. Or um, I mowed lawns. All that stuff, and I know you're familiar with that, Abel. Um, that's the space that you're in, right?
20: Correct, and actually, with, with you saying that, so, um, similar concept when I was young. Started started um, probably six or seven years old. In first grade, if I remember correctly, I used to take candy from the house, uh, and I'd sell it to my classmates, because right about that that time, I don't remember necessarily who's president, but one of the presidents, first ladies or whatever, decided to take all the uh, vending machines out of a uh, school. And there was like this big old assembly over like, hey, by the way, we're getting rid of all the sugary drinks, all the stuff in school. Um, I just saw that as an opportunity to start selling candy. <laughs> so if you can't get it anymore from the <laughs> vending machines, well, I got, I mean, I got the hookup. Um, I was shut down on that pretty quick by the, uh, by the uh Principal. principal said hey you can't be doing that in school I'm like well why not like I'm not hurting anybody I did the same
12: thing I did um uh gum you remember the yep. whole gum phase in middle school
20: yep yep and it's the same thing so I think it's funny you know it's we, we always knew we were going to be entrepreneurs we just didn't realize it then when
12: uh, when and how it was happening right what kind of signs right exactly determine
21: that. yeah exactly,
20: yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. and then uh whenever I think I was 11 or so at that 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 Time of my life. There's uh, everybody's getting their cell phones. Everybody's getting all this cool shit. And uh, my mom was like, "No, plain no." And uh, eventually, I convinced her that if I could pay for it, I could have these things. And one of those first things was like, I wanted a phone. I wanted a phone, just like everybody else. Uh, so I actually ARC is the the second iteration for my lawn care and outdoor space uh, work, but. My younger brother and a friend of mine, uh, my mom owned a store next to uh, like a, uh, a mobile home park, and we literally would load up a mower and walk down the mobile home park and mow as many houses as we could, and I just I just wanted to buy a, buy a phone. I mean, I just, that's all I wanted. And then, like I said, it just, uh, it, as Stone said, like all those signals were there. We just didn't realize that y- you were just trying to buy a bird or get a phone or you know, whatever. And it's like as you get older you start to realize like yeah, this is much easier than going to work for somebody. Well, not easier, but more rewarding, that's for sure. Yeah. What about you start? I'm sure you've
21: got a similar story. Yeah, I mean I wasn't really flipping the packs in the elementary days, but oh <laughs> uh, I mean, I I had always sold through high school. I was getting my money. My parents didn't like it. Right. But I was still, you know, they wouldn't give me anything. It was, there was no handouts. Like my parents were fortunate. They had everything that I needed, but they were like, you're not getting that shit. But you had to earn
20: the stuff you wanted. Yeah. That wasn't a necessity.
21: Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Right. They made, made you earn it. Really, it was huge for, if I got good grades, I could get everything I wanted. But I didn't get good grades. Right, I was right. fucking off in school. You know, I had no interest in that shit. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my own money. Right. Right. Regardless.
20: And I think that's, I think you shared it maybe today, maybe yesterday on Facebook of that, like, you know, the kid that was always sleeping and had terrible grades Yeah, that probably, was it probably ends up being a business owner. And it's like, man, that's honestly so true is because. I don't know about you guys but for me it's like well you don't have good grades you're not in sports you're not like you know uh sponsor or not sponsor scholarships pretty well out the window you know so it's yeah. like well what are you going to do you're going to hustle you're going to figure it out and uh I actually went to college for 4 years self paid for it all and the reality is it was biggest waste of time biggest waste of effort and then that was really like I would say my biggest hustle phase in a sense of, like, as I was younger and realizing what I could accomplish because I literally put myself through four years of college and that shit's expensive, you know? And then now looking back, I'm like, well, that was a huge waste of resources, waste mm-hmm. of energy, but at least I don't have student loans, which at this point would have been forgiven, apparently, you know, but <laughs> but either way, like, I, I didn't get those handouts, you know? And it was that realization of, like, working for someone would have been fine I think for me but the reality is there's that limitation of you're only going to achieve whatever they allow you to achieve and being a business owner allows you to be creative in how you achieve what it is you want to achieve, right right which could be I mean a number of things really it could be you know and I just happened to choose well not choose it kind of chose me but uh landscaping and it's been phenomenal really
12: did landscaping choose you, or did you choose landscaping?
20: Man, I'm Mexican. It's kind of in the genes. I'm good at it.
21: It hits you, and you just take off yeah, That's really all it is. It's what you know, it's, it's what you're best at. That's it. You just run it. You feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, you um, build the confidence. You're like, you know, I can, I can. any problem you put in front of me, I'm, I'm solving it. Because right. Because I've, you know, I've been around the people that have done it. And
20: Which I think goes back to that hustle <laughs> of,
21: Maybe whenever
20: you started off, you didn't realize you could solve all these problems or that you could do it, but you just said it, you build that confidence and you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. Why? Because this is a great opportunity for me so long as I can keep it going, which I think as business owners, that's a lot of the hustle culture comes in to ourselves, self-inflicted and that aspect of. Yeah, I can take that on, even though you know damn well you don't know how you're gonna take it on. Yeah. But but you self inflict it because you've proven yourself right so many times that I can figure it out. Which again, as a as an employee, that's obviously that's a different mindset. But as a business owner, man, that challenge is yeah. something you almost getting in it for want. yourself
21: is is way different than, I mean, nobody that works for you is ever gonna do it like you are. No. Like no. you put that project in front of someone, they might fold they're not doing it for themselves
20: right now there could be that you know every now and again you know we get lucky you come across <laughs> yeah leprechaun. you get that person right <laughs> right but i've got a
12: couple of leprechauns yeah i don't you do. i don't know how they do it <laughs> you do and, and you know try I, to instill some good values you know and i've got like that i don't know hustle grind like you know do it until the job gets done kind of mentality like we got a job to do you know Get it done.
20: Yeah. So, how do you? So, being that the topics on hustle culture, you know, the big culture aspect of that being, being that it is a culture, it's more or less like putting everything to the side and being so divulged in your business that nothing else matters. I want to know: has there been a time where you realize that has happened and you had to like take a step back and figure it out, realign yourself? Or was there a time where you realized that and you're actually like, you know what? I love this. I'm going to dig deeper into this right now. Um, I'm curious to hear if either of you have had instances like that.
21: Yeah. I mean, me recently I was hustling, hustling, like hustling that I didn't think I could hustle. And then it was just everything else outside of business was just falling to shambles. Like I saved it, but I had to throw up my parachute and just, you know, Mm-hmm. Let the business breathe and not have to hustle so hard because quality of life and family and, you know, home, you got to take care of your home. And yeah, it was just, it was just too much. So I don't know. I feel like you go, it, it comes in waves, you know,
12: that's what I was you, thinking you, too. You, you have a like mindset. Sprint.
21: Yeah. You have a mindset and then, you know, you have your goals and I'm sometimes the mindset it's where discipline comes into play but you know you have your your mindset and some days you wake up and it's just like you know maybe I do need to spend more time with my family you know maybe I should lay off the hustle a little bit and try and keep the keep things at least cordial for me I mean shit
20: well and at the same time it's like why are we doing all this yeah we're, we're I, I feel like
21: to a, one day
12: have some freedom. That, that's it. Right. That's exactly I mean, at I the end of the saying. day, I mean, it's going to take years to put in the work, you know, but. And, and we're fully aware of that. And you have to put but it But then in. I also feel like, you know, to some degree, like I still have the freedom to decide what am I to, you, okay. Again, I say to some degree, decide what I'm going to do today. You know, yeah. if I need to take care of my boys in the morning and show up late at nine o'clock and my schedule allows for that. I can do that. So I think in the aspect when you talk about freedom, you don't necessarily mean that, oh, yeah, I'm going to go work on the beach today and take off for the next two weeks and hopefully still have a paycheck, right, or make a profit or whatever. But I think, yeah, it's definitely nice to kind of have that freedom.
21: But, yeah, yeah, control of your schedule. Yeah. Like you don't have to answer the phone. if You don't want to, you know. i still have to but but you should hire someone you have to yeah you have to but i I mean me sometimes i'm just like "Eh, eh, yeah i'll get back i'll get to you later right because you're not not in in that mental state exactly right right exactly
20: and and you know i think with that it's it's the industries have a lot to do with that sometimes you know if you're in the middle of working um in the middle of that physical job it's like but i don't have the mental capacity to retain whatever it is i need to talk to you about yeah like so you have to wait take a little break and then you're like all right i gotta call my and then you get into a whole different mindset yeah you're like now you're like all right well now i need to make a bunch of callbacks i need to touch base with people i need to you know it's just that shift of that that mindset yeah um but talking on the whole aspect of like you said throwing your parachute you know in the the past uh so i had an instance about a year ago um where i actually had a full-blown mental breakdown I don't necessarily remember what happened, Uh, but I was in a state where I was trying to grind a little harder and not necessarily working more hours or doing anything, but I was putting myself in a lot of uncomfortable positions. Um, I was, you know, starting to associate with people I had never associated with. I was starting to do other business work that I hadn't done before. Because as you, you, we know, there's a difference between working in the business, working on the business. I started to make that shift to work more on the business and it was extremely uncomfortable. I mean, it's just, I wasn't, this is not productive. It's it like you're
12: seem- letting go of the rope and you yeah. got to be able to learn how to trust people. Yeah. It's really weird. But The other thing that's weird too, that I'm, I'm still learning. and I still want to want to hear more though. It's like learning how to trust people. And I think it comes back to you and that person building out the process and making the relationship to be able to know that they got it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
20: Yeah. Like I've been able to
12: learn that with Devin like last year, like when we started, it was like, it was probably like four to six months before I was just like, all right, I'm not, I don't need to be involved anymore. Right. (laughs) You know, like I still love to be involved in what we do. And then same, same thing with like Bobby, Bobby, it was like, and like we're still involved really heavily in everything that we do because sales leads generates revenue and all that stuff. So like we still have to know, talk about projections and all that kind of stuff too. And then Maddie, Maddie just onboarded like quick. Yeah. And I think that's because partially one it's it's a lot lot on her uh credit to her to just being able to adapt that quick and learn but then also giving a little credit to me and the team on this is how we've built things. Mm-hmm. And she's been able to kind of easily just kind of grow and adapt and then adjust to how she works.
21: Yeah. Right. Right. Implement the system yeah. that you have going already, yeah.
20: right? And so, see, whenever I started working on the business, I didn't. Have What's up, Krista? Uh, I didn't have that, I, and I still don't. As you know, I don't I don't have those processes built. You know, I'm working on building those processes. So whenever I told I got, you we need to
12: get together and put together I mean, poster man, boards and, and sticky and notes, will. that's what I did.
20: We will, yeah. But you know, there's a lot of other grinding to happen at the same time. Uh, but uh, and
12: making the time to do that's hard.
20: That's true. Um, but in that, that time when I had that mental breakdown, I, like I said, I was, I was just putting myself in a lot of uncomfortable positions. And at the time I felt like I was taking on more than I should. And it's a lot of that comes down to like, you, you guys know, as soon as you guys, so I'll kind of put it in perspective. Let's say you start doing a different style of guttering, or you decide to start a podcast. There's a whole different set of tools you need. There's a whole different strategy you need. And I more or less started working on the business and I, I needed different tools. I needed different strategy. I needed a different process. And, uh, I was plain and simple, like trying to figure it out. And then, uh, one day I woke up, I had said, yes, I was going to sub for uh, a meeting that I had never been to before for a friend of mine. And, uh, I knew it wasn't necessarily a big deal, but it was something I'd never done before. I didn't have someone holding my hand, so I was like mentally really psyched up about this meeting. And I woke up in the morning, I go out and I'm like looking for my iPad, I'm looking for my backpack and it's all, it's all gone. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> so I go inside and I'm like looking everywhere. And I'm like, I swear I brought this inside last night. I swear I brought this inside. So then I start looking even more and I'm like panicking and it turns out, well, my truck was broken into. All my shit was stolen. You know, iPad, notebook, everything, all my life was gone. the past couple months and i i literally i don't remember much more than that but apparently i just shut down i texted my brother called my brother something like that and i was like hey i'm not gonna be in like i don't know what just happened like i can't function this is that and thankfully i think that was a, a huge beautiful time because that was me, I think, in a sense, throwing my parachute because after that, I actually ended up going on like a two week trip to Broken Bow out of nowhere. And when we were at that trip, um, I remember telling my wife, like, how is this possible? Like, I- I'm 26 years old, 27 years old, however old I was at the time. I'm like, and we're on a vacation. I still got paid. The business is still running. And I was able to just like literally out of nowhere, just decide we're going to go to broken Bow, and I have the money to spend. How the hell is this even possible? This is, this is not supposed to be real life. Like this is literally what people dream of. And I had to make that happen for myself. And I think that opening that parachute was that time of like realizing that, you know what, you do have a parachute. When was this? You just have to use it. It was about a year ago. Maybe. Uh. Yeah. About a year ago. Um, And, and again, up until that point, maybe I didn't realize you had that tool, that parachute to help you out to end times when you're just hustling a little too hard that you can lean back. And at the same time helps you realize who you have on your team to help you sustain your, your life and your business. And at the same time, realizing that you don't always have to be doing all of that all the time. And, uh, ever since then, you know, I, i Thankfully, after that week, I was really able to refocus and actually really work on working on the business, building relationships with, you know, with people that are going to help push me and, and whatnot and realize that the business did need to, I needed to grind in different directions. Um, but plain and simple, that was just a, a time where I was very uncomfortable and I was just pushing myself to the limits and I literally straight up mental breakdown. And I don't remember that day. I pretty much just blacked out more or less for the rest of the day. I didn't do anything stupid, thankfully, or anything like that. But but I wasn't productive. Just um, go home and sleep. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's literally what happened. Yeah. And I was like, you know, but at the same time, it was like I felt like I was letting my team down. Because here I am, supposed to be one of the leaders, supposed to be in here. And in the back end of my mind, I'm thinking I'm weak.
21: Sometimes like, they don't know, though. Right. They have no idea the shit that we Should on. they know? Right. I, I think so, man. I
12: mean, and abel talks about this a lot about how he's transparent with this team I
20: hey this so. is where we're at it on helps. money yeah or
12: hey these are the current projects we're working on or hey we got some really good leads here or, or this is where we need to improve or man this was a this was a big fail like what we talked about in one of our previous episodes was right. about failures you know and we've you've talked about it as many other episodes about how you are transparent with your team and and all those different aspects right and, and how I, it pays off and I
20: think because of that I, I think that was it is realizing that whenever I had that that breakdown it helped me realize that my team is there because they're my team you know I didn't necessarily pick them like they're my brothers and sisters and like I picked handpicked a couple of guys like that are part of the team now but you know it the whole concept of uh you know, you, you can carry a lot more together than you can by yourself. And it may be the same problem, but the second you start sharing that with someone else, it's not so hard anymore. You know, you can lift more weight, you can carry it farther, you can do all this stuff. So I think sharing that with your team, and you know, you don't necessarily have to share everything. Like, let's be real, you, you can leave a lot of it out. But mm-hmm. in the sense of like, hey guys, we're about to take on a brand new builder that's like way out of our league. I just want you guys to know this is way out of the league. What can we do? I need you guys to back in work. like cause then you're not carrying the stress all by yourself. Your whole team knows how big of an opportunity this is. That is, you're you're grinding, you're hustling. So you tell your team, and then hey, you know what? All of a sudden everybody comes together to try to make it happen. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey guys, there's no, you know, there's there's no leads coming in, there's no this or that. And it's like you'd be surprised how quickly your team will shift with you so long as you're transparent with them. And uh, I, I think I said a couple weeks ago, you know, the same thing. It was, there was no money, and uh, well, not that there's no money. We we're short, right? And my little brother came in. He's like, "Well, I don't need all that money in my account. Like you can take, you know, I think it was like four or six, five hundred dollars from that account." He's like, "I can, I can run on way less than that for the for the next week or two. And it's like, dude, that's awesome because you're being transparent with the team. It helps you, frankly, I feel like, be able to hustle harder without having to take that whole load yourself. <laughs> But again, you have, sometimes you got to learn that the hard way and it's not fun.
21: Facts.
12: Yeah. You know, one of the topics that we wanted to talk about was how the hustle or the hustle culture or the constant grinding without a break can affect your health. And even you, I think you just experienced this too. And you're like, bro, I need to turn everything off for a week, take a step back, work on myself. Like. Just, just chill for a minute and, Swear. and, and then I can come back with a new mind, a little bit refreshed, clear, right? And I it think works. it's good to do that once a quarter. It works. And that man. was one of my goals in the beginning of the year. I'm not too, I'm not one of those crazy people that set the new year's goals, right? No. Um, there's I'm, another, setting,
20: I'm setting my new year's goals right now.
12: There's another, another, another word for it, but I did it this year and I was like, every quarter I'm going to take a vacation. It could be a staycation or it could be an actual vacation. Um, and so far, I've done that. In the first quarter, I went and visited my family in North Carolina. And the second quarter, we visited um, Leslie's family in Texas. And then uh, next month in October, we'll be going to, uh, uh, we'll, be, we'll be doing something else as well. <clears throat> Can't talk about that. And then at the end of the year, uh, right around Christmas time, my family's going to come into town. And nice. so I'm like, okay, you know, I, on all those scenarios, I could just spend time with the people that I'm closest with, right? Family. And I get to step away from that hustle and that, that grind waking up at four 30 in the morning or staying up till midnight or one o'clock working or whatever it is. Sometimes that happens. That happens plenty.
20: <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh or you just go to sleep with that stress on your mind, and then you wake up, and it's like stress there, and it's like, and you can feel it in your chest. Shit. Yeah, yeah, I, I should just stay awake. Yesterday. Yeah, yeah okay. I don't know
12: about you guys, but sometimes I can feel it in my chest. Oh yeah, you did. know, and you're just like, oh, you can't breathe, you know, and all that stuff. So, but um, anyway, so it's it's good to do that. And
20: so on that topic, I think it's it's interesting to talk about too. Is is uh, with you saying that you know as well? This year, I've taken a lot more camping trips. And that has been my escape with the same thing. like
12: I'm Bobby's out. been doing that too.
20: Yeah, dude, the camera trips do it for me because.
0: Today with Amazon Business, Shannon Stukey of Walburn Woodworking helped her team buy 63 circular saws.
14: Okay, Andy, take it easy.
0: Now she uses her time to focus on growing something big. Buy smarter, dream bigger. Visit Amazon Business, your partner for smart business buying.
20: You know, we're... we're The hustle, the hustle, uh, the hustle culture, that was hard. Uh, I think that's more like an America thing, right? Like we in America tend to feel that way. But the reality is if you look at the way we were designed as human beings, we're just a bunch of animals. That's just the reality. Maybe a little bit complex, but we're animals and animals are happy and most productive in the wild in nature just raw no electronics around and camping has been a saving grace for me this year because whenever i'm out camping the phone gets turned off or it dies one or the other but either way there's usually very minimal technology and then you're just surrounded by beautiful clean air beautiful (laughs) nature and it just reconnects you to the fact of like you know what I don't get to slow down and enjoy what we actually are around. You know, even though Stone and I were outside in the elements, like more often than maybe you, because you work in an office, like that's your your realm. But most of the time you're working. You're not just enjoying, like he says, it's hot outside, right? Like it is hot outside. But the reality is when you're camping, hell yeah, it's hot outside. Let's go swimming. Like it's different, you know, it, it's, it's just a, it, that's been one of the things that I've, I've taken personally to, Try to disconnect and, and realign. And, and then, like I said, I think a lot of that is trying to keep your sanity and keep your health in check. Don't spin out.
21: Right, right. Try not to spin out. Man, breaks are huge.
12: So I've got some suggestions that may point some people in the right direction to kind of help uh, maybe reset when they're kind of hitting that breaking point. And they're hustling over the edge. Uh, keep track of your energy levels sometimes we don't even know when our life is out of balance and encourages us to judge our days based upon how much we've done rather than how we truly feel. Would you agree with that?
20: I think yes. What, I mean, I talked to you about this yesterday, you know, like the whole day I felt terrible because, you know, business, plain and simple. We'll just keep (laughs) keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah, We'll just keep it simple. (laughs) Business. And at the end of the day, what happened? You know, I got a phone call that just made my whole day. Of like you know what I'm actually, my energy level wasn't there because I, that whole stress of business, but in the grand scheme of things, it it you realign what you're focused on, and all of a sudden you're like reinvigor, reinvigorated, you know. All of a sudden I get that phone call, I'm like you know what I can I can smash these two bids out real quick before I head home, and it it makes a difference.
12: Another recommendation is to schedule your rest days and hobby time. So if you're used to being consistently busy and you aren't intentional about blocking out some space for self-care, your to-do list will continue to consume your time. You know, it'll what, just eat you alive. What do you do there? I try to what I what I call is I close out my brain. So I've got a list of shit that I generally kind of overview of what I'm doing through the week. And it always sits on my desk and I'm always looking at it. And so I try to like close out my brain to where I can go home and spend a couple hours with my kids if they're there or a couple hours with Leslie or a couple hours with myself. Got to do laundry, got to do dishes, got to take care of the dogs, got to take them to do stuff. I got to take, uh, clean my truck. I got to organize this. Oh, I got to prep for that, you know? And I'm like, Sometimes I feel guilty in two ways. I feel guilty, like one, I don't spend enough time with myself. With myself, just I don't know, doing whatever hobby I want, I, I feel like doing. Uh, most time, it's like video games. Um, it used to be riding my motorcycle until I sold it. <clears throat> Sad day. And you have like
20: planned to buy a Ducati or something, don't you?
12: <sighs> it's not happening anytime soon. You got to keep the dream alive, brother. Oh, it's it's still a browser tab. <laughs> yeah that's that's one of my ways of like a reminder right like okay right. that's one of my immediate goals like it's that thing um but i like to try to i feel that so the guilt thing that's what it was um sometimes i feel guilty that i'm like oh i need to be doing x y and z for work don't go home and put that stuff to the side it needs to get done and then i have the other guilt that's like oh, okay you're not going home you're staying at work, now you're not spending time with your kids or with your uh, with Leslie, right? And sometimes it's, it's challenging. And I know you guys experience that too,
21: right?
20: Yeah, um, absolutely. Stone, how do you schedule your time? Or do you schedule time?
21: Nope. Only thing I schedule is when I'm picking my son up and what jobs are next.
12: We talked about this too, where we <laughs> talked about scheduling and stuff, and you're like,
21: yours is backwards backwards yeah like yeah. oh just depends on you know obviously my leads come in and i'm just like i'll book my week you know i'll give myself time because i kind of know what's emerge. i know i'm gonna have an emergency i'm, I'm gonna have a roofer call me and be like hey bro sorry but i need gutters tomorrow and i like to be the convenience guy you know i'll charge the extra but those those are where i hit big on so by booking my week backwards it frees me up for those first two or three days that someone needs something, I'll be able to capitalize on a bigger profit. Yeah.
20: So so do you have any
21: hobbies that keep you? Yeah, man. Uh, softball, slow pitch, uh, fishing, uh, hunting in the cold. Um, you go hunt? Yeah. I want to go. Hunting. Uh, we need to deer we gotta hunting, do that. Deer hunting, duck hunting. I want to go. Turkey hunting. Straight up.
12: I'll get a license
21: I'm, for it and we'll go. I play sand volleyball every now and then. That's cool. Nice. I'm active. Very active person. See, I need more hobbies. Work, working out. Working out. Oh, yeah. Dr. The gym Jim is and, one of my hobbies, too. The gym at the yeah. house is huge.
12: So, another um, another helpful tip is to, to uh, define what <laughs> success looks like to you. And to me, it's like, okay, the next level of success in my personal is like, I want that Ducati or that that new motorcycle or w- or whatever it is, right? Um, it can be material or it could yeah, be try, something bigger. I try not to let right?
21: materialistic define success, but at the same time, you know that kind of that to. matches your mindset. Your lifestyle is going to match your mindset,
12: and it's tangible.
21: How, yeah, exactly. Right? So how yeah how what you carry yourself with, you know, everything that you've got with you materialistically. I mean, it, it builds you a confidence. It makes you want to work harder. You want more. You want to obtain more. You want to be more you want to look better, feel better.
12: So like one of my versions of success was planning a one week vacation every quarter throughout this year. If I complete that by the end of this year, I will have felt successful in that area. Right, right, right. That's how that's. Yeah. So there's multiple ways to define success. Right. Yeah. Everyone places it on material items. Do you have a Lamborghini yet? Okay. You're not successful. Do you have 20 employees? Okay. You're not su- successful. Right. You know, I look up to you right, a lot. And I'm like, oh man, this guy's got 20 employees. Like, you know, he's making it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and, but we're making, and you said it best too, you know, we're making it in different ways. And one of the great things that I love about doing this consistently is allowing us to network with each other, to learn how each other works. And to be able to network with other people, too, like if we bring them in as a guest or something, too, we can learn their perspective on things. Like Nathan uh, Sweats with uh, the Anthem Companies, and the last episode was a really good one. Mm -hmm. He said a lot of really great stuff, and he went from having eight companies now down to three over a period of, what, 20 years, Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. So
21: you can't really scale your success with other people's success though, because that's where you'll fuck yourself up. Straight right. Up. Compare. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yourself. So,
12: Hey, up. they're here. I need to be there in order to be successful. Yeah. Like, right. no. So that's one thing too, that I've learned over the years. And it's like, set your own levels of success of where you want to be, you know?
20: So I think a lot of that, you know, stone said he tries not to, to attach his, uh, his success to materialistic things. And I learned that, the hard way, I think, um, I had a car before that was, that was my measure of success at the time. And I was going to build this car to be X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, I, I achieved it or at least got close enough. You know, once you start building a race car, you start to realize how fucking expensive the car <laughs> Yeah, shoot. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I achieved what I, what I wanted to achieve. And when it was done, I was like, okay, now what? You know, I had spent all this money, I had spent all this time, and I think I took it out three, four times maybe, and I beat the crap out of it. I and mean, it was fun. But then what? Like, there, there, there was just no real happiness to it, you know? And then, um, then I sold it and, you know, lost a ton of money on that car and blah, blah, blah. It was great. It's a great story of my life. But the reality is that success didn't last. Uh, and I think the reason of being is it serves such a, such a superficial success, like such a superficial endorphin or whatever the hell you want to
21: call it. Right. It, Instant it, gratification. It, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's just it not last, there. It's temporary. Right. Yeah. You'll burn uh, out on it. Exactly. It doesn't really actually mean you know, anything. It's, it's, it's catchy. Like you want to jump to it, but then apply it that. So a- long. Apply what you
12: just said to a uh, example.
20: So will, again, with that, that's that's kind of where I was going is like, so my goal now, my big success goal, which again, I don't measure this with anybody, but my, my big guess, my big success measure would be to be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be financially free by the age of 35. Everybody tells me that's impossible. And I'm like, well, maybe for you, but that's going to happen for me. And why? Because that's my level of success that I have figured out that at 35, if I'm able to do that, that leaves leaves me like half of my life to focus on other people, which at that point can be whatever it is. Like if I want to help somebody build a race car, well, guess what? I'm helping someone do it. At that point, I'm not necessarily working on work all the time. Um, but again, with that, it's there, there's no materialistic aspect to it. There's two ways to achieve that, that financial freedom, increase your income, lower your expenses neither one of those is going to actually provide me anything. And and by financially free by 35 doesn't mean I need to be living in a mansion. Like just give me a nice little house my family can live in, please, a garage, <laughs> and a decent yard. But it doesn't have to be huge. It just needs to be enough to make me happy. Now, on mm-hmm. a materialistic level, which I think as humans, we have both. We have that tendency to need, excuse me, to, to need both. But right now it's we just got my wife her car right? That's a huge stress. Awesome. Wonderful. But on the back end, we were talking about this earlier. My family needs a bigger house. So on a materialist, material aspect, it's like, well, now I need to find a house for my family. I
12: think Which, you explained this pretty well.
20: Right. Well, well and on the back end thing yeah. is that that dream is still with that house because so everybody in, not everybody, a lot of people my age, they're buying the houses and they're thinking, okay, this is my Dream house, or I'm gonna be here for 10, 15 years. This is blah, blah blah. Like, no, my family needs a bigger house, but the bigger house has to be able to cash flow and make money within two years. I'm gonna move out and buy another house. I'm gonna do the exact same thing because I'm simultaneously working two things. I'm working my business and I'm slowly gonna build a real estate portfolio that will help build me that cash flow and that financial freedom by the time I'm 35.
12: Leslie and I have talked about doing that. You should. Moving into a house yeah. uh, May or June next summer living in it for a couple of years, maybe fixing up a few things or just, you know, hanging right. out in it and then moving out. Right. Styling, or keeping it and renting it.
20: Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. We would keep it and rent it. And uh, like I said, it's just that, that realistic aspect of you have there. There's always a materialistic attachment to some sort of success. We always, we're always in habit that, Hey, yeah. that new truck or set of wheels or Let a, a, a bike or, or whatever. Right. But there has to be a bigger something that drives you. And again, sometimes that bigger something, not not sometimes, we let's be real. We live in this world. That something is always gonna somehow monetarily be attached to some some level of money. You just have to realize that if you hit sixty grand, okay, it's gonna leave you a certain level of happiness. Yeah. But now the you're going to want a hundred. The chase. Right. Now it's you're going to want a hundred. The chase is never, 100. you're never catching exactly. the chase. Exactly. Yeah. Versus if you restructure that, that mindset of, Hey, I want to be financially free. There's no monetary value to that at all. Yeah. My success can change so long as by the age of 35, I'm no longer chasing that dollar. I'm chasing the experience. I'm chasing the, like, I've always had this dream. I was going to change the world. I don't know how, but. Like that, at the age of 35, if I can hit that, I can focus on changing the world.
21: Yeah, You don't change it in one. one uh, I, I think know. I've it's, heard it's the difference. It's impacts. Right, you know, right. You leave people feeling better exactly. before they came in the room. Exactly. Then when they walk out, you know, that's the impact. Those little ones add up. They exactly. Add up. And then. And that
20: materialistic <laughs> the thing is gone. Like that, it doesn't mean anything.
12: Yeah. Sorry,
20: hmm. I didn't mean to keep rambling.
12: Oh, no, no, no. Appreciate it. They always tell good stories. Oh man, and good insights. Instagram about? loves you, bro.
20: Oh, I appreciate that Instagram. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to get off social media again because of you guys. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's just funny. the truth, you know. Like we hustle so hard, and I think the hustle culture has a lot to do with what we see, like on Instagram, on Facebook. It's it's a it's a what is that the like a you know, like a winning reels or the the highlight show or whatever of our lives, but it's like the reality of it is that's not
21: yeah, everyday it only shows life. Good. Yeah. It's not everyday life, you know, and doesn't show the process. It, it, shows it doesn't the, exactly. I wouldn't even say it shows the outcome. It really just shows a false narrative outcome. You know, that's, I like that because yeah. you're still having to put in work after the post or after you flex it. I mean, there's still stuff you have to do in order to Maintain what you just proved. Right. To like, people.
20: oh, I got the new truck. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay. But, but I still got to make <laughs> yeah. that payment every month. And that's <laughs> stressful. Exactly. You know, like that truck means nothing, but everybody sees it like, oh, got a new truck. Choke oh, vaccines. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You're making money. And it's like the stress to pay that truck every month. Yeah.
12: Dude, I saw um, a landsca- landscaping company that was hauling a trailer about the size of yours. And he was driving a Chevy 3500 dually. And I was like, that's a brand new truck. That's a pretty payment, right? So oh, just yeah. because you see that and you're like, man, that's a nice new truck or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean...
21: Doesn't you know, mean anything. What's yeah. in the trailer? <laughs> 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 that's what I ask. I mean, that's I want to know what's in the trailer. Fuck the truck. Let's see what you got in the trailer. And you know, that's funny. Because all, that all my shit is loaded down. Like, so, I mean, obviously my nice trailer is cool looks great on the outside the inside's good but on my other trailers they're they're kind of jank but it's what's inside them right it's
12: what's inside the trailer that's a great (laughs) way to put it because
20: because it's the same thing on our end like sometimes you need that newer truck you need that bigger truck and let's be let's be real banks are going to loan you 60 grand on a newer truck at a 3% interest, maybe 4% interest all day long. Not even like you walk in and they'll gladly give it to you. Here you go. Now, if you walk in and you try to buy a 5,000, $10,000 truck, well, here's a 30% interest loan. And here's, it's like, what the hell? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So on a business end, it's like, what 4% I can justify that cost because it's more or less free money. Like it almost free money, but the reality is, come on, bro. bro. But on the uh, bro, <laughs> on the back end, you know, as as Stone says, like the trailers, bro, you should see some of our trailers. Like they are janky, but it doesn't matter because they work. Yeah, and they're paid off, and they they make shit happen. And it's like in the grand scheme of things, it's just payments. It's it's all the bank's money, you know, and and. People just measure that success, and they don't realize like we disregard that. That's literally just another payment. I another. feel like it's
21: easier for someone to go out and get a vehicle, the nicest vehicle, or whatever they somehow the dealership or whoever will bend backwards in order to get you in that vehicle. But oh, if it's to get a loan for like two skags in oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. a brand new trailer, it's, it's not, teeth. it dude, it's not fucking it's happening. Pulling teeth. It yeah. really is. Yeah. It, like it makes no sense. A business loan is damn near impossible to get, but then, you know, you got your,
12: yeah, but I could go, yeah, just, yeah, i could go buy an 80, $60,000 truck.
21: Yeah. The, no, no, problem. no way with, with the hell you can afford. Well,
12: Let's say, let's say I went and applied for that truck. Let's say I make 60, 65,000 a year, same price as the truck. They'd be like, okay, but let's say my business does. uh, Let's put in a scenario of $500,000 and I want a $50,000 loan. They're like, I don't know. Do you 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 have your W2s? Do you have K1s for the last three years? We're going to need to see the big picture here. I'm like, what? Are you serious?
20: They're dead serious. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Like, and, and it makes no sense. It really doesn't. But
22: it does. I get in it because there's no like, collateral
12: on it, but right? Because they can come and take the truck and then go off and auction it and sell it and get their money back. So if they just give you fifty k, you
22: well, know, what are they going to
12: use as collateral? Right? Your office stuff. Well, see, so like on my end, like yeah,
20: we and I don't know your guys' end, but I mean, I have collateral. You know, we have equipment that's paid off. We have equipment that's worth something. But I think it comes down to a truck is gonna be easier to sell to the consumer than it would be equipment. So like my mowers, well, there's no way in hell an average consumer is gonna buy my $14,000 mower. It's not, it's gonna need to be another landscape company or somebody yeah. else starting that. So the, the niche to sell that is a lot harder. Whereas you sell a truck, it could literally be Joe Blow down the street that just wants a truck. And he's going to see, well, that's a good deal on a truck. Let's go buy that one. And it's like he didn't
21: see that that's like a work truck. and there's, once,
20: there's there, It's different. It's harder to sell the equipment.
21: Once or easier to f- fulfill the needs.
20: Right, exactly. It, that's exactly it. Yeah.
21: Whereas, you know, again. A lot more people want shit than actually actually need it. Right, right. So and, you're going to have people buy it. And banks know that. I
20: mean, come on. Yeah. They, they study I, well, I don't know, but I feel like they probably study psychology quite a bit and study people to figure out where the best areas to loan money and whatnot, because obviously they're they're holding a risk.
12: Well, and also too, not every bank wants to have the same level of risk. So like some banks or some financial institutions, they'll want to have more car loans and one was going to have one uh, more home loans and one's going to have more of this, right? So just because you go to a bank and they tell you no, doesn't mean no, but then there goes the idea of going barking up trees until one drops an apple, you know?
20: Yeah. yeah but aren't we hustling? Yes. <laughs> sometimes you got to go barking up all the trees. Yeah.
12: Yeah. I mean,
21: sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. But wintertime for me, that's when I have to go bark up the truck. Is it really? Oh yeah. Cause wintertime is brutal. Wintertime you're fighting to keep your head above water for us. Is there any, aliens. is
12: there anything that you can do when it comes to icicles and repair on gutters, gutters,
21: I mean, ice ice, and- if it ices, if we get bad ice storms, it will fuck the gutters up. So I pray for ice storms in the winter <laughs> because like a lot of people neglect their gutters and they'll be filled with stuff and you get the the rain and snow, blah, 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 you get the sun, melts it, boom, all goes in the gutter and then everything freezes at night and just, dude, it will pull a house down
12: and you're like so, money well, it, <laughs> It's it, 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 it's kind of like it, when the roofers get uh hailstorms and they're like
20: yeah yep yeah yep, <laughs> yep. and it's exactly and it the same yeah. way yeah. when you work yeah. outside in the industry I think it's it's those two you have man it's either really hot and dry and awesome or in it actually stones and my mine same thing or it's really rainy like those are good times
12: or it's really or cold
20: and right or it's really cold and snowy and it because like it for us Man, if it's under 30, 35 degrees, we try not to plant anything. You can't glue irrigations. You can't caulk. You can't like there's so much you can't do because the the product just doesn't work. I can't
21: run gutter under 40.
20: Okay, exactly. Because the
21: machine, the machine will, you'll form it and then expansion and then boom, you'll be back out in the summertime replacing it because it's all wavy.
20: Right. See, so on my aspect, Hmm. I can't do any of that, but on the flip side, if it snows, Oh man, let's get shovel. It. Let's get it. Shovel I mean, all the equipment's out working. You're literally working overnight, hours after hours. You got crews shifting to run 24 hours a day. Now it's expensive because then your equipment takes a beating, but you take it as you can. And I think that goes back to like our topic of the hustle. Like sometimes you don't get an option when to hustle. Sometimes it's either you hustle now or you're gonna drop. Take advantage. Seize right. the moment. I We're, think
12: that's a good takeaway point too for this. Mm-hmm. Say it one so. more time.
21: Seize the moment.
20: Sometimes you don't have an option when to grind, when to hustle, you just you just gotta go after it.
21: Yes, sir. It's just plain and simple. Yeah. Don't neglect the calling.
12: Well, guys, uh, we're wrapping up around right about three twenty eight here. Um It's been a good episode here. I was at first, you know, when we came up with this hustle culture idea, or I guess when I did, I I was kind of like, I don't know what we're really going to talk about. And then we had a few conversations, did a little research and I don't know, come back to the original point of why we have brews in business and why we're talking about telling stories and giving examples and being vulnerable, right? This whole point, um, seeing if other people can relate and you know, having conversations. And so we go live on the blue studio Instagram today. The last few times we've gone live on uh blue, blue studio face.
3: Facebook page,
12: but I think that we're going to like Instagram a little bit better.
20: Yeah. Cause we could all tie in together.
12: Cause the we vibes. can all tie in. Yeah. And you can see different perspectives here. And I think that is so freaking cool. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. For sure. Um, and so, uh, if you guys have any questions at any point in time for, for us, you can send us uh, a message and, uh, I'll be sure to, uh, tag all you guys in the YouTube video that will go out in the next uh, week. So if you guys missed out on today's episode and you want to catch back up on what happened earlier on, you can find that on the sooner marketing solutions, YouTube channel under the Bruising business podcast playlist. And, um, if you guys, like I said, have questions, you can send us any one of us a direct message or send me an email and I can relay that to them. And then uh, we can bring that up on our next podcast episode. So I'd like to get some people involved. Yeah. I want to make a point.
20: Kind of going along with that is man, we're uh, I think we're built on, on trying to be vulnerable, trying to be honest about our businesses. So, you know, a big, big shout out goes to any small business owner. You just got a question, man, that you wish somebody would just answer plain and simple. Sometimes the answer is not, you know, what is what? it? MX plus B equals Y.
12: Like and we, it's not we may easy. not have the perfect answer right. for plus it, but B. we're at least, you know, a brain, another set of brains that can, exactly. you know, share an opinion or a different viewpoint that's from outside your perspective. Right.
21: Absolutely. It's huge. Yeah. I have a couple people uh, that I lean to whenever, you know, stuff isn't going my way. You kind of go, you talked with them, you get some, just, they give you that knowledge They sometimes people have been through what you've been through, getting that, um,
12: and maybe they haven't just yet. <laughs> and you got reassurance, man, that reassurance yeah. is
21: huge. You know,
20: for sure. Everyone needs it. Oh, absolutely. And just sometimes you just need to bitch with each other. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. You, know? <laughs> you and I had, you know, Should we're kind of talking all, all week. But then someone comes in, you know, just what, like a couple hours ago, right before we started. And it's like, well, shit, you've literally been in the exact same shoes with, as we have for the last couple of days. And it's like, man, thank God it's Friday. <laughs> like, Dude, no shit. Like, it's just, it feels good. TGIF.
21: I saw a picture the other day It said... uh how did we go from August 1st to August 26th in two days? <laughs> and I was like, no shit, dude. How did we get here so fast? I already
12: feel like Christmas is going to be next next week.
21: That's a scary time for us. So I hope not.
20: Thank
12: That's you for joining enough. the Brews and Business Podcast. We're going to go live next Friday. We usually go live every Friday about 1 or 2 o'clock, sometime in the afternoon. Follow the page, and uh, we're going to do a little bit better job at... Uh, posting ahead of time something to give you a warning on what time we're going to be going live and stuff and the the topics or topic that we're going to discuss so um stay posted we'll talk to you guys next friday thanks
20: guys Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to getting that post-workout glow. Step 1. What's your why? More epic
8: energy? Better sleep? Blow off steam? Step 2. Join Planet Fitness for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. And get moving. Go cardio crazy in our clean and spacious clubs. Or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment. Step
20: 3. Bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for $1 down, $10
15: a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Wednesday, September 14th. It's blow time. See love for details. In the wee hours of the night, when everyone else is fast asleep, you're the one on third shift, burning the midnight oil. When a part fails and everything comes to a grinding halt, regardless of what the clock on the wall says, you leap into action. Granger is with you and all the ones who get it done. With 24-7 customer support by phone or click to chat. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger.
2: Hey everybody, welcome! It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. We got a fabulous show for you today. Uh, I have to say, Benny, I'm still getting used to the new time spot, but I'm kind of loving it. You know, we're not. You, do you feel me right there? Oh,
16: and I've done it for 20 years, and so you'll you'll eventually <laughs> slide right in, and it'll be just like you know the back of your hand. No problems, easy peasy. Yeah,
2: Let, let's let's Jacob. Hey, Jacob, how you feel about the new time slot, right? Kind of gets you moving early. <laughs> you
20: know,
0: you guys took kind of the, the hard stuff so I can kind of sit back and just enjoy the show. So it's a great way to start my
12: day.
2: Oh, my gosh. Don't you just love that? Well, I'll tell you, both of you fasten your seatbelts because we have a fabulous guest. I want to thank you all for uh, tuning us in, turning us on here for this time spot. And I promise you, we have quite a bit that we're planning for you and with this flagship station. And today's show is the beginning of that. When I think about people that make choices in their lives, and they make these choices from a combination of, and this is my language, mind, body, and soul. And you look at your life and you're well accomplished. You know, you've got all the credentials. You know what you're doing in life. But if you heard my story, that wasn't going to be it. Even though you, you do all the things society wants you to do, somewhere along the way, you discover something in your heart. And when you discover that something in your heart, it is very, very difficult to carve out a pathway that doesn't come from there. Today, I want you to meet an amazing woman. You know, Dr. Vijay Anair joining me here today, amazing woman. Amazing doctor. And when you think and hear what she has to say, I challenge you not to be energized. I challenge you not to be able to step up and say to yourself, I am going to do what I need to do to understand the absolutely just debilitating aspect of stress and anxiety. And if you're who she is, Harvard and Columbia University, trained phys- physician, transformational health and business coach, medical researcher, best-selling author, international speaker, and hopefully a regular on our network, you will discover that this is not a conversation that she takes lightly, but she does take a light approach to it. She has taught visualization, you know, guided imagery, all of these things you've heard about. But what is it she has learned from this journey beyond the credentials, beyond the degree? That's what you're going to hear today. In addition to understanding that today, the three pillars to transform stress into power, freedom, and balance, the way to do that is within you. It's within you. But what is it she's done to discover that for herself? It's so great, Dr. Vijaya. Dr. Vijaya, thank you for joining me here today. It's so good to have you here. It's so fun
22: to be on your show, Dr. Pat. It's such an honor. May I call you Pat? Yeah, yeah Benny calls <laughs> yeah. me
2: Ping Pong panny yeah <laughs> you know like is good look the point is, see what you and I have learned is something interesting, isn't it? Yes, we've kind of learned, yeah, we've got credentials, yeah, we've done things, but boy, we've learned from experiences. I want to start out with a question I've been asking people for twenty years first of all, thank you. For doing what you do because the world needs this now more than they ever had i i thought maybe we needed it in 2007 and eight but i i look at this now we don't even have the medical research yet all available to us to see what the full impact is but i gotta ask you this question outside of you and i being closeted ping pong players I would love to know, here you are today, I barely scratched the surface on what you do. What were some of the challenges? What were some of the obstacles? What did you overcome to get you right here now?
22: Oh, we didn't even go in there. So all of you listeners out there and those of you who identify with any of the challenges or all of the challenges uh, that I've gone through and Dr. Pat has gone through, uh, welcome to the Club of Transformational Network talk show. You know, <laughs> that is a unique uh, kind of like, and and you may have like been right in the center of it or, you know, right in the middle of it, or you may have just overcome it, some of your challenges. But I hate to tell people this, that, that there is 10,000 challenges ahead of us. And it's like, What's going out there, it's not as bad as what you have gone through and the lessons you have learned. And yeah. so what did the challenges I have? Oh, like diagnosed with two cancers, uh, about to lose my, chi- my children, three kids, um, lose my job, um, uh, didn't get a visa in time, you know, to stay in the United States. Um, what else can go? Oh, didn't have insurance, no money. You know anybody who wants to talk about any of these challenges there, there is today's talk will just bring you how to transform your immense stress because that was what I was going to go, was going through. You can yeah. have all the credentials in the world. but I realize and sometime in, in the show here and I'll say I only had one major problem. It looked like as if I had so many issues, health, relationships, money, job, environment. I was, where was I going to stay, raise the kids? Uh, But there was only one problem. And that's what today's talk is about.
2: Yeah. So fasten
22: your seatbelts.
2: Fasten your seatbelts. You know what I love about this? I want to talk about vision for a minute because it sets the stage. I didn't understand the power of setting a vision in play. And I'm very fortunate to have been doing this show through what the world called the new thought age. But here's what happened to me, and I think you'll appreciate this. Six months after saying yes to this, and I was, I bought air in 2003 on internet. Nobody was on the internet. But six months after this, I came down with a mystery disease. Now, I now know what that was. I now know what it was from. It changed the entire trajectory of the show. The show wasn't even called this. It was called Crust Busting Your Way to an Awesome Life. I was having a blast, but I wasn't making that $250,000 a year in the Deloitte job consulting. But I was so happy. And I want to ask you this you are an author. You're out in the world. You've moved beyond this. Now you have a vision. A hundred million healthy, happy, thriving, successful entrepreneurs. I hope I'm one of them.
22: (laughs) You already are. I hope I'm we You've graduated. We all have graduated. I just want to tell people that if you think you're somewhere low or middle or high, there's no such conversation. You already have the full range of consciousness in you. You already have everything within you. Now, express it. Now, bring it out. That vision in you, that real vision in you, not your ego-centered vision, the real vision of your heart, that's what I do. And all the information that you're hearing, it's not transformation. That's the first thing I want you guys to take away from. The takeaway, first takeaway is information is not transformation. If you're going to go through stress, it is stress, if you have stuff that's going on in your life and you have no clue how to handle it, or you try many things, or you have done many things, and you're already in a state of apathy, you're like, what's the use? What's going to work for me? And once you're in that state, just know That the information that you're getting from, you know, even the talk course shows, even all the people that you listen to, the wonderful people, the books that you read, the webinars that you watch, the podcasts you repeatedly hear. It's not going to matter until the transformation hits you. Work with a coach, a mentor, somebody you trust. That is primary. Because listening is not transformational. It starts the process of like awakening. Oh my God, there's something here. But that's the, the process of transformation. And you gotta, you gotta like, you know, know the difference and how can you get there. So, yes, we are all welcome in the journey. The journey never ends, but more and more fun along the way. And that's the pathway to healing, healing from all your stresses.
2: Wow! You know, my gosh, I knew I was going to have so much fun with you, and we're just warming up right now. Yeah. Look, you use a phrase. We're going to talk about the five takeaways for today. What we want people to know, but there's a phrase you use. I love this phrase, and I don't think I've ever ever heard anybody say it. They just dance around this this, but you're like coming right at it. Toxic goals. Now, the reason I'm bringing it up, we're going to go over And leave people with these three pillars to transform stress. But more importantly, there are things to listen to. There are things to understand. But I don't think people understand how show-stopping a toxic goal is. From your point of view, you teach it. It's in your webinars. It's a fabulous term. Tell us what that is, because I think if people saw this, they'd be like, oh, my goodness, I see exactly what she's saying.
22: Yeah, We have to apply things to our life. And I am a number one for toxic goal. I used to teach toxic goal. I didn't (laughs) even know what that meant. But all the personal (laughs) development mentors and people I worked with all my life we well, like, wow, you have to do this. And if you like, your, you know, set this goal, if that's what you want. And then all the productivity apps will come out and all the sheets will come out. Oh, are you procrastinating? Oh, you have to do this, 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 this. It was all behavior-based. And there, there is a role for behavior. But the fundamental understanding, the shift that I had when I had my own near-death experience, I was bleeding like crazy bleeding away hemorrhaging from uterine uh, 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 fibroids and they thought was cancerous so it was like right in that state you know you were like looking at yourself and it says you know how worse can it get how bad will it had to get much worse but I had a near-death experience back and when I had that near-death experience I heard I saw I recognize a lot of things that it took me years 20 years to like wow find out what it meant so toxic goals was the first thing i heard and it was like the the first thing that i heard was when i was going through the divorce when i was going through the near bankruptcy when i was going through like i'm going to lose my kids heck i was going to lose my life and what i heard was your feelings are only coming from your thinking in the moment. Your feelings are coming from your thinking in the moment. That means the world, my ex-husband, he didn't cause my grief. He didn't cause anything. he The world didn't do that to me. Oh, the lack of a job didn't do that to me. My bank account didn't do, or lack of funds in my bank account didn't do that to me. It was my thought my thinking in the moment that was causing my sadness my anger my resentment my disappointment my stress so yes. toxic goals is a very important uh, concept because it, it helped so many you know business people ordinary individuals because when they understand the concept that the toxic goals is a phenomena And it's like something we constantly are trained from young. Remember when we go to school and we said, and your mom or dad or even teachers tell you that, oh, if you do well in school, uh, you're going to get a prize. And, you know, you're going to get X, Y, Z. Or when you feel sad, you know, your mother or dad or whatever would give you, oh, this is a teddy bear or an ice cream to feel better because they thought your feelings correctly or not correctly, but their fee- your feelings are coming from the event, the circumstances that happened in uh, in life. But underneath, but we are constantly told that the fulfillment, peace of mind or satisfaction comes from money, the material possessions, accomplishments, the job status, or even the weather, <laughs> right? Yeah, or COVID, whatever. You know, but so a toxic goal is making a goal from an external, from all these things that you have to do in order to feel good, the fulfillment. Remember, I talked about it: fulfillment, yeah. the happiness. You know, everything comes from fulfilling that goal. That is to to really believe in that, and we all do. We grew up in that culture but you believe that I'll be happy when I achieve that goal or I'm not happy because I don't have my goal yet. Or if I had my goal, (laughs) they're running conversation. If I had my goal, I'll be really happy. Well, the problem is it doesn't work that way. And you don't have to have a near-death experience to believe in that because it's all over all the spiritual texts. Talk about it. All the, the... the depth, the essence of all the faiths talk about it, but we didn't hear it. We yeah. don't hear it and we forget. And it's a, it's a great spiritual truth. Like all spiritual truths, it comes and it goes. It comes, it hasn't stuck in yet. Where else you feel that your goals will make you happy. That is a more believable, that has been ingrained in all of us as a habit. It's just not true. So when you figure that out, that it's my feelings, they're not coming from the goal. It's coming from my thinking in the moment. And if your thinking is habitually, you know, pessimistic or optimistic or filled with shame and guilt, your feelings are in perfect alignment. Crappy thoughts, guilty thoughts, guilty feelings, and guilty results. So you, you you guilt-ridden, anxiety-ridden results. You may have your results. You may get your goal. But you're filled with anger and fear and upset because that's what you started with. And so that doesn't go away. And then it's next goal, next goal. You jump over the loop. Now, a goal can be even noble. Like for me, when I went to Harvard, it was to gain the knowledge to free my people who were in uh, institutions. There were thousands of people at that time, you know, in institutions, locked up in mental institutions. And I wanted to know what can be done. Does it mean you have a chronic mental illness? You have to be locked up for life? As you know, what the the Singapore government said that you have to do, and you know, you can't release harmful people to the streets. So there's variants of that thinking in the world, all over the world, right now, even here, the fear model, right? It wasn't so. But so even a noble goal, even I say, oh no, I'm doing something, I'm making money for my kids, I'm doing something to save the world. Your feelings do not come from that. The feelings only come from your thinking in the moment. And thinking like the weather, they can change. We have 70,000 thoughts every day. And it's like, you know, it can change. Morning, you can have one thought. Afternoon, another thought. Evening, another thought. So your feelings also change. So then what do you do? (laughs) Go ahead, Dr. Pat. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Because
2: you see, this is really, this is pivotal what you're talking about, what you're teaching. Two things I want to comment on. One, I encourage people out there, don't think you can do this alone. I thought I could do half, my first half of my life, I thought I could do alone, and I realized I couldn't. You know, coaches, mentors, whatever you want to call them, they are essential in the world we're living in right now. And I love that you said that because both of us know the power of that and the power of helping others in that way. You know, the other thing that you've talked about is these things in life will show up. Negative bank account balances, people that will let you down, relationships that will break up. But I think What you are talking about, what you help people with, what your webinars are about, is to understand that these things do not have to define us. We don't have to become them. We don't have to become our bankruptcy. We don't have to become that. But yet, we don't have the tools, and that's what you're teaching. You know, tell people a little bit, because you're teaching this, you've written a book about it. I would love folks to know two things before we continue. One, how do they find out more about you? How do they work with you? How do they sign up for your webinar? Because this is not like, oh, maybe I have the time. This is essential right now for people to get help, even if they don't think they can. So tell folks, if you don't mind, the various ways they can connect with you
22: oh there's a ton of ways and and I know I saw <laughs> I would love you guys if you feel so you know if you feel the calling you know I want to know what she's talking about and I want to know more about it watch the webinar the three pillars to power stress to to transform stress into power freedom and balance and that's in uh stress forward slash webinar that's simple as that sign up is an automatic webinar. So you plays at your time convenient times and watch the webinar. It's 45 minutes. So choose a time that, you know, you can watch or watch just a little bit of it and then come back and finish the rest. And then if you feel called to, and you see and, and take notes, but the notes that I want you to take are about insights. That you had a fresh new thought, an idea how what she's talking about, you know, how does it relate to my life? What have I done? And we all have had goals. We've all been told all the external circumstances are all important. No, this lady is saying no, it didn't matter. It really didn't matter the circumstances, but my power of my thinking, not the good thought, not the bad thought, not the right thought, not the wrong thought, not the positive thought, not the negative thought, is the power, the fact that you can think that nobody ever teaches. I certainly didn't know about it at Harvard or at Columbia. You know, nobody teaches this. And that's what you need to get at. So watch the webinar if you're interested to find out about your superpowers and how can I awaken my superpowers? How can I heal myself from, you know, I have cancers and I I, I said, no, there's something here I need to know. So even though it was very tough, but I was like on a mission and you know I was thinking, if I get this, so can other people, so can everyone else.
2: I have to tell you I love that you created a transforming your life series uh the books and I love that you did this and let me just tell you why because for those of your li- those of you that are listening also you could get a copy of you-, you could certainly get a copy of the books that are out there but you have you have these book series out there and I've noticed a couple of them you know, smack in the middle of COVID and you're writing about this and you're writing about, I I mean, I I thought, oh my goodness, she doesn't just talk about stuff, she's doing it. What was it about writing the books that changed you? How were you changed? How were you transformed as a result of saying, I'm going to be part of this book series. I'm going to be a contributor. I'm going to do this. What changed in you?
22: The fact that we all have stories in us. When I see all my clients, and I have coached and mentored thousands of clients, right? Thousands of people, and they all have a wonderful story. And so I participated in this Transforming uh, Your Life uh, uh, series with uh, Cy Blackburn. He's a wonderful, wonderful mentor as well. We had all my, you know, colleagues. Literally, we all contributed what we got out of it. So you asked a very important question: Why did I have this burning desire to write my story out in public to get people to see and to evaluate their lives to know that, you know, you don't have to hide it? I had everything, you know, literally everything, and all my colleagues—they had little, um, all most of it. Most of them had two or three or major challenges. But even you, when you share it with the public, when you have something, it could be even sexual abuse, it could be physical abuse, it could be bankruptcy, it could be anything. Once you start sharing it, even if you have not overcome it, the fact that you can share it out with people, guess what? The magical word I said, insights can come to you. So I knew by sharing it, I was opening up to the higher powers that, you know, that I will have a brand new, wow, thought about the situations that I never thought about. And that's what you get out of reading the, the series, The Transforming Your Life. But I've also written another book, Prevent Cancer, Strokes, Heart Attacks, and exactly. other exactly. And that was like, you know, you asked me, what did I get out of that? Oh my God, the thousands of callers and and people who read that book and asking questions. And I wanted to keep it small so that people have the satisfaction of completing it. So I'm going there with my editor and saying, we need to keep it small. And she tells me, Vijay, you got to keep it small, you got to keep it to a, a limit the words you're using, because I wrote a 300-page book. But you Mm -hmm. weren't going to understand it because it was all scientific jargon. That process of like putting it in words about dietary supplements, about natural therapies, about the importance of what are you eating and how to look at that, all the things, meditation, massages, why the pros and cons of it right? You had to dilute it so that you can read it at one sitting. So it will transform your life. Once you start going on that path, you will start getting more ideas. How do I raise my consciousness, which I hope we'll come to eventually at this, this con- in this interview.
2: That... Yes, we are going to talk about it. And that's really what this is set up for. Because, you know, part of this is, you know, we are out in the world and we are taking steps every day. But what is underneath that? You know, what is is it that moves us forward, that moves us beyond all the challenges that has you write a phenomenal book uh, that helps other people understand, you know, that's one of the most dreaded words that people never want to hear is cancer. You know this, and I know this, you know it from a medical perspective, women, right? That is the one word, because they don't have your strength, experience, and hope. And what we're going to look at today in the show is we're going to talk about in the world, in this world where we want to achieve success, how do we raise consciousness? How do we avoid the ego traps? How do we do all this? Because today, that's what part of your message is about. But there's much more that you're doing in the world. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, get ready. Get ready to understand how this is so tied in to this consciousness that we talk about. But you can get there. And you're going to hear how to get there when we come back everybody. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with Dr. Nair.
4: Your own innate brilliance already lives inside of you. Come discover it so you can shine brightly in this world. Join me, your host, Adrian Cobb, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern during Wild Magic on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get answers to who you are and where you belong. To learn more about me and the show, visit MyWildMagic.com. Again, that's MyWildMagic.com.
2: It's time to tap into your divine self through angelic guidance. Join your host, Cindy Smith, and co-hosts in the Angel Empowerment Show from I Can't to I Can, airing every Monday, 6 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn from four of the best angel empowerment practitioners in the field. Together, they will share experiential teachings and offer live on-air professional angel card readings and much more. For more information, visit CindySmithAEP.com.
5: do you get
14: stuck in that someday attitude living the same day over and over again with no action the becoming you show big ideas that inspire impact and influence your life with leah
2: rolling is for you
14: tune in every friday at 11 a.m central on transformation this show will have you feeling inspired to take action with purpose and intention for more information and to get in touch with me visit
10: www.leahrolling.com
16: Power up with Dr. Pat at a new time. The Dr. Pat Show is still bringing you talk radio to thrive by now at a new time. Listen and watch live on KKNW and the Transformation Network Mondays and Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Stay tuned for new perspectives, powerful conversations, and epic transformation. For more information on how and where to find Dr. Pat and the rest of the Transformation Network hosts, visit thedrpatshow.com.
2: You are made for more. I'm Coach Lisa, and I'm here to help you achieve ultimate life satisfaction. Your life matters to the world. Reimagine your future with an individualized life by design approach with my free ebook, The Five C's of Coaching. Commitment, Clarity, Coachable, Creative, and Change find the transformation you're looking for go to lisabeltz.com that's l-y-s-a-b-e-l-t-z.com hey everybody welcome back dr vijaya nair joining me here today um look this is a little bit of a lot that dr nair is bringing to the forefront why because obviously you can see she's passionate, but it goes beyond that. You know, when you are purposeful and you see that there are things you can do to help other people in the world, it's almost as if the Great Wall of China cannot get in your way.
22: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Right? Um, before we before we go here, because I really want folks to hear some of the solutions you've provided, and especially around the word consciousness, because we don't this is what we don't do. The word stress and the word consciousness. See, see, in our world in mainstream, stress, but we don't have a conversation about consciousness. But before we do that, again, please let folks know how they can connect with you, get copies of your books, take the webinar, work with you, all of the above.
22: Wonderful, wonderful. Imagine I said again and again, information is not transformation. And you have to look at the feelings that is generated by watching the webinar at go beyond stress forward slash webinar. Very easy to remember, go beyond stress forward slash webinar. And there at the end of the webinar, you will be, if you're interested, the first five people who booked a conversation uh to have a transformational conversation I will personally take the call otherwise I'm going to give it to my assistants you know to do to do your call with you but you will get some of very serious uh, seriously uh, experienced people to do it if you are not going to get me but that is one quick way to do that the other way is to go to my um uh to my website uh either go beyond stress or drvijayanair.com dr vijaya v i j a y a n a i r.com and in there you will see contact and I give lots of emails. Put your emails down and put your uh, contact information down there. Uh, just your name and your uh, email address, best email address. And I sent you so many emails. So don't get flawed by the emails. It's like looking at life in a different way. And I always offer some help and see, you know, would you like to take up my help? Would you like to listen to this Or would you like to, you know, see this program? Whatever it is that you get interested in. If not, also not, uh, it's also, you know, like, all right, that's not your time yet. But the question you asked about consciousness and stress what have the two got in common it's like it looks like apples and oranges right uh jacob would you put up that diagram now i don't want you guys any one of you to get very uh, (laughs) flawed by this diagram because there's a lot of research and this is the 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 the, what i do with my clients because they have the most important thing is you got to understand and it's called a map of consciousness. And this work was developed by a brilliant, brilliant psychiatrist uh, by the name of Dr. David Hawkins. You can find his uh, book that this diagram powerful book. book. Yeah. Power versus force. And that's a wonderful book, you know, but my God, the first two chapters are very hard <laughs> to read. I know? can't yeah.
2: believe you and I have that in common. I honestly can't believe it because I was given two books at a point in time in my life where I was no way I was going to absorb them. You know what I mean? But people knew. I don't know how they knew. One book was that book and you're right about it. The other book was a book by Viktor Frankl. Yes. And but here we are and you're talking about something That, boy, if we could understand this, it's a whole different world, isn't it?
22: It is. So, Jacob, would you do us the honor of putting up the uh, slide there?
2: All set. There we go. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. And so for those of you, you're seeing the slide on Facebook now. He's put it right in on Facebook. You're seeing it. And, you know, let's walk people through Uh, what they're looking at at the moment, because it's powerful.
22: It is. It is. And um, you will see if you're on Facebook and if you're not, you will find it there. And I, I actually, it is fascinating. It's one of the stepping boards, like, you know, what, when I mentor someone, a client, um, you know, when they're going through what they're going through and this connection of what your consciousness is, is very important because when you look on the left side, the level, you see series of emotions. And what Dr. Hawkins did was he, he uh, researched 250,000 people and more uh, in a logarithmic scale of kinesiology that means muscle testing to see and this is verified this is like you will see this uh, uh, not in this uh, uh, degree because i wanted to talk about the different levels but in some way shape or form the power versus force the determinants of human behavior the consciousness because consciousness gives out vibrations of thought that we see that the shame thought the guilt thought the apathy thought all the emotions that you see on the lower level and these are lower level it's almost like you know death it's like you know when you have someone filled the whole day with shame a lot of shame because father mother teacher trainer and their father mother teacher trainer Didn't know any better. Now I grew up in a, in a, in a Catholic convent school. You know, that's where my studies were, right? Most of us have that. And. My parents also use shame very effectively. Oh, it's shameful. You know, don't do that thing. And, you know, you know the drill. So everything is like shame. And like, you know, you have to get social approval and you have to be a good girl. You have to, you know, achieve things to make other people happy. A lot of the level of shame that I see in my my clients when they come out, and especially when you're depressed and anxious, a lot of your subconscious beliefs. Now, remember, thoughts are just your your thinking conscious thought. It's just like 1% of the iceberg phenomena. 99% is subconscious. But so when you know throughout the day you're functioning at the uh, shame thoughts or guilt thoughts, Apathy thoughts. Do you know that some countries in the world, 80% of the population is this apathy? They're just looking out, and you know, there can yeah. be a grandmother or someone in your family that's just staring out of the window and just like, you know, they're not looking at anything, they're not eating, they're not taking care of themselves, they don't have the liveness and they're in apathy. So apathy, it's it's a real problem because, you know, when the wars and your shell shock and even the COVID, I've seen people, what's the use? Because in apathy, if you go down, it's a level 50. That's the log scale. And then what do you have, the emotion? Despair, hopelessness, the view of life. As you go along that, that contagion, now there's so much more I could talk about this because that whole decision process now remember your thinking is causing your feeling is causing the actions you're going to take so there is no positive action when you go into grief there's a there's a little bit higher and you've got a grieve, that so you can actually say you're sorry or say that you know your regrets and and what happens then is that you're going into your life is tragic your worldview of life is tragic so when people ask me, Dr. Vijay, how do people, they understand when they, when they learn about this and that there are ways that, you know, you can come out of this because you have all the emotions. The power of thought is within all of us. But if we are so used to being told in, with shame and guilt and, and then we feel the apathy, the grief and fear, most people function at fear. Fear is anxiety, is frightening. The worldview is is a frightening world. I mean, now you know why different people, some people have a loving view of the world, right? A benign view, a meaningful view. But some people, the same people, could have had the hopeless view, the tragic view. So all the emotions correlate now, all the lower emotions from 175 down to the lowest shame, they all correspond to a very negative emotions. So we have a negative worldview. We the pride. It's 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 amazing how much you know scorn there is, demanding there is, and we all know people who have that, right? But we don't see that we have it, and that's a huge debilitating. It robs you of life. Then when you have courage when you have courage and you want to see courage, go to an AA meeting, you know, the the (laughs) Alcoholic Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous. I've been to all these meetings and my God, the courage it takes to talk about your problem. Even for a transformation session, right? Yeah. That is hugely inspiring, but inspiring to them too, because remember they're vulnerable. They're shaking in their boots. You know, but they come out and they talk about, you know, what is affecting them and, and, and there's, there may be repercussions. Even so, they are willing to put their life at stake by having the courage to talk about it. Now, many soldiers by going into war. Right. And, and fighting the enemy or, you know, doing what they have to do to protect their country, like you see in Ukraine, you know, they are crossing, people are crossing over to the courage uh, uh, line, you know. So they have already gone in there. They're believing in themselves. So, and look at it. People in the rest of the world are, are, are so inspired. If this happens to my country, I'm going to fight too. Right. Mm-hmm. And even with patients with cancer, the survivors, the people who are going through it, you know, when they have that approach. I had a a client who had a 10 year old granddaughter, you know, who had a brain tumor. And she, you know, 10 year old, well, you'd say, what can she have as a courage? Well, she drew, she made cards for her friends, hundreds and hundreds of cards loving cards that she gave out to her friends and it touched everybody, even those who just knew her friends or the community that was supporting the girl and her, her, her her family, you know, we all get inspired by that love, the kindness, because that's what a 10 year old girls do. Right. So they have that and the inspiration comes to the rest of us. So courage is a very, very important thing to look at. Neutrality is next. Like you're not attached. I can get my goal or I may not get my goal. Not attached to an outcome. Now, people think that, oh, if you're not attached to an outcome, how can I get motivated? You will become unstoppable because you know what you want. You focus your attention on your actions and there is no such thing. I have to say this again. There is no such thing as failure, only feedback. So you got a feedback. I tried. I remember how Thomas Edison did? You know, I think it was about a thousand and forty-four yeah. times, you know, it says, well, I know now all those waves that don't work. Then it worked, you know, the filament that made the electric. Yeah, ball. exactly. Exactly. So exactly. These, this, I can go on and on a couple of hours discussing this, but the most important thing is the transformation talk to a mentor listen to what it is that you know you look at it and, and and the thing is not talking at you it's talking with you talking about you it's important that you find a mentor that you know will talk yeah. talk about you and your where your state in consciousness is and then remember all of these consciousness you don't have to go outside because once you start awakening you come up the levels and that's what happens in sessions. And as they start coming up, they start seeing, you know, the clouds, you know, go away, fade away. And you see the sun behind the clouds. You are the sun. You have that power. You just didn't know you could awaken your superpower. That's what this is about.
2: I love it. And I love the way you talk about it and teach it. For those of you out there, Dr. Vijaya is joining me here today. And I want to just make sure all of you know, this is the way you can find what we're talking about. I love that you put this chart up, because we could spend hours walking through this, but also what you talked about talking about the fact that the iceberg, the part we cannot see, right? That part we cannot see drives us in so many ways, right? It is that part that Sometimes we know it, sometimes we don't. But I want to just, a uh, couple of people are asking me to give them some more information. I want to get that. It's Dr. Vijaya, V-I-J-A-Y-A. You heard me pronounce it near, but it's not that. I'm going to pronounce it correctly. Uh, it's Nair, but it's N-A-I-R. You heard me correctly earlier in the show. That's now how you're going to find her. Google it, right? Uh, she, we're very informal here. So I'm Pat, she's DJ. Yes. Please hold <laughs> with that, everyone. I'm sorry, we're going to take slower. Yes. Uh, you will be able to find her. The websites we gave you are out there. Our books are out there. You know, we're talking about the three pillars to transform stress into power. But most importantly, we're talking about freedom. We're talking about Power. I love that in your book title, you're using the word power. It is very hard. And I think you know this. It is extremely hard. It is really hard for women to say, I am powerful, right? It's very hard for women. We're getting there, Dr. Vijaya, right? We're getting there we are powerful. We can do this. I want to ask you in the time we have left, and thank you for showing that chart, because what happens to us in life, right? You wake up one morning, you you look, you, 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 your your child has a cold, you thought you were going to work, your boss is going to fire you if you don't come in. You accidentally didn't make a deposit in your bank account. You're overdrawn. You get to drive in your car i mean this sounds like a country western song now right you get to drive in your car you don't have enough gas in the tank you go in your wallet you don't have cash and you think my life is over that's how quickly we can go down that slide can't we
22: we can and we do because we are thought first thing in the morning when you wake up check your iphone we do all kinds of things and then you know our thoughts our power of thought just get us over, but what if what if we could get up in the morning and have an idea have the, the the impactful idea I can now give thanks gratitude energy for the things I do have in my life, yeah, my kid has a cold, but I have a kid, and I have the best. Hospital facilities, you know, in in the world, is just you know next door or uh, 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 not too far away. And there may be people who are listening to this call from different countries, but know that there are different things that are working applicable for you. That yeah, I have a, a a midwife next door, and my my child is going to give birth. You know, it's. So many wonderful things start happening when we focus on the gratitude energy. And it's like, you know, a healing of the stress that we are under. What do I have? As opposed to what I don't have. Yeah, I know what I don't have. Write it down because once you write down something, it's your left brain, you know, writing it down and your right brain creatively coming up with a solution. So I teach people how to use their right brain and left brain and their subconscious. Clear your subconscious block when you look at a problem. Because everyone has been thought only one direction, all bad, all bad. It's a negative emotion. It's a negative feeling I have. Oh, my feelings because it's so strong. I have to believe it. Nonsense. Your feelings are only coming from your thought in the moment. Just because a feeling is strong, it doesn't mean it's the truth. So you, you will get that, you know, understanding of, yeah, what does that mean? It's usually a subconscious block. And, Clearing the subconscious block, the underground, the submerged, you know, thinking you have is something speciality that I do. And I teach the clients, how do you do it? And that's like transformational because it's like, oh, I don't have a charge now. I can think about my brother. I had uh, someone who come to me, you know, he had not talked. And he was a physician. 30 years he hadn't talked to his brother. And he says, you know, something must be odd about me. I don't feel anything it was actually the subconscious was like, he was trying to tell himself, I don't feel anything. So I know I'm indifferent to it. It was not indifference. It was apathy, mm. apathy, like hopelessness. Remember that child says yeah. hopelessness. I'm not going to see my brother 30 years. I haven't spoken to him. And that was the only sibling he had. Guess what? We had to clear that subconscious block. And then he started getting a feeling, feeling of what? When you clear your blocks, you start feeling Oh, compassion for myself, for the other person. And you so in a million years, you felt that, you know, you think you would feel that, but you do clear your subconscious blocks. You can't do it yourself. You've got to get someone who's trained, you know, to know how to clear subconscious blocks.
2: I agree I with that you. That helps. Look, it does help, but it's also really important. I want to stay with this thought for a minute. You know, one we have to acknowledge that we are worth whatever it takes to invest in getting someone to help us. That was the hardest thing in my life. You know what? I'll tell you what. I didn't really get it until being in my doctoral program. And, and I was just accidentally put in front of a mentor, but I really didn't get it until I came down with that mystery disease Mm -hmm. And I had to ask for help. And I met the most incredible naturopath. I honestly, Dr. Nusheen Darvish, I understood. I learned about her culture. I learned where she came from. I learned how her people were, you know, persecuted for their faith, how young women were not allowed to get education. I learned about something we call natural, integrated me- medicine, my body, mind, spirit. But I will say this. I did not do it alone. I could not. Could not. I wouldn't be here. Yeah. And I can't say this enough. Right. You know it and I know it. You're not here talking to me because you did this all by yourself, right?
22: It's absolutely not. It's all (laughs) the mentors and teachers I've had, right? (laughs) You've had. And, you know, every chance I have, you know, profound gratitude, you know, to know this. And then what do you do? Paid for it. Paid for it. Give it away. Give to people, those who want to come to you to learn, you know, how do I get over this? How do I get over that? It's their thinking. All the negative emotions, the fears and anxieties in the world is just turning towards a direction that is the truth. That's you. You, what do you want? You know, and clearing that blocks, clearing what it is and say like, oh, my God, it's a brand new day. I didn't know the colors could be so bright. Right. Everything looks beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's what life is, you know, about, but not when you're in the lower levels of consciousness. That consciousness gives rise to thoughts, and thoughts have a vibration. They attract more of those thoughts. That's why when people come to me, because I'm also an abundance expert, and we I have lack of abundance. I can't. And I said, Well, and after a few questions, you know, oh, the the consciousness at which level, and they are attracting the negativity yeah. if they're in a negative fear and worried state and yeah. you know not meeting my a game and you know i'm upset about it so guess what there are more upsets you're calling up in a in a loudspeaker to the universe send me more upsets <laughs> what you don't want shows yes. up
18: but that <laughs> like is only, because it's
22: bad Is to have you you know Get muscles, develop muscles to transcend that, as you saw in consciousness. We have everything, including enlightenment within us. The possibility is that peace and unconditional love. What can we say? We are powerful beyond our imagination. But it,
2: not- it really goes back to what you said. And this is why I love this. And this is why this is an ongoing conversation. And and uh, Jacob, put up the chart one more time, if you would, because... It's one thing to see the chart that you brought forward, and I, I remember this from the book, and this is this is a book I go to all the time. But it's another thing to know how to move throughout this, it's right? Essential. You know what I'm saying? Like we're just talking about we're talking about the chart, but you have to learn how to move from that lower shame, humiliation how to move, even if you move up a little bit, right? And isn't that what you're talking about? That's what you do in your webinars. That's what you're doing in your books. That's what you do when you speak, you teach, you coach. That's what you're doing, isn't it?
22: Absolutely. Because what do I want? What do you want from your whole heart? You know what it wants after you clear all the negativities and you realize, oh my God, it's my thinking. And we have steps to do that. We have to go some ways. So when you start doing that very, very quickly, it doesn't take forever. But once you start going into the realms of power, not the force, not the low-level life, you know, uh, uh, emotions and feelings and consciousness, but now you can start taking action from a place of your unstoppable you're unstoppable. You really got it. And you can feel the vibration. You'll feel chills down your back when you listen to somebody who talk about like, wow, their passion in life and what they want. It can be anything. It can be it anything. It does. doesn't have to climb Mount Everest. You know? It's like, wow, this is what I want. And you can make it happen. I can't yes. tell you the number of clients. I know we don't have much time here now, but Come for a conversation. I invite all of you. If you have a conversation and you think it cannot be done, I bet you anything 99.9999% the conscious thought is not aligned with your subconscious. Your subconscious is going somewhere else, thinking, I can't do it. I'm not deserving enough. I'm not clever enough. And your conscious mind wants all the things in the world. So clearing your subconscious is a very, very important modality in there.
2: Yeah. Now, how do people, how do people? get a hold of you how how do they schedule time how do they do any of that let's make sure we're giving that out in a minute or so we have
22: left here go to the uh, www.gobeyondstress.com and forward/webinar slash webinar. and watch the webinar if you're so interested in the podcast that we yeah. just did now this is a fabulous you know dr pat was wonderful and if you're interested in that go straight there if you straight Want to straight away you want to um book a session with me, go to drvjanayer.com yeah. and yeah. sign up for a newsletter. Get so many of the newsletters, they will give you links. Yep. Yeah. On my website is a link, how you can contact me. And the books are there in Amazon.
2: And I want to just say it's Dr. D dot com. Any way you put that in the, put that in Google, you put her name in there, you're going to get her, you're going to get gobeyondstress.com, the webinar, sign up for that. I can't thank you enough for today. I know there's so much more we, we could be talking about, but this is a way to help people understand there is a pathway. There is a pathway to get you from whatever you're feeling, whatever your experience is to that point in time where you're feeling powerful feeling successful and stress-free.
21: expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. You're
16: listening to Transformation Talk Radio.
2: Audio